Drama City Productions presets. Access granted. Welcome, nerd. Episode 46. Horror movies, comics, wrestling. Load complete. Don't be afraid of me. Greetings, true believers. Stan Lee here, welcoming you to the latest harrowing adventure. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. This is the Amazing Nerd Show. So, Christian, we got to start off the episode on a somber note. Yes, we lost Stanley this week. Um, you know, I didn't think it was gonna like hit me as hard as it did. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's ninety-five, but then like just seeing all the different tributes come out, and I mean, really, you know just trying to wrap your head around like how much like he's like meant to mm -hmm. just you know not just comics but just like you know pop culture in general you know and to like so many different people it's just it's so insane to think about you know really it's unquantifiable like you can't yes. even like you know begin to think i mean this guy's been at it since like 1960 he's literally created a whole universe you know for you know nerds like us to dive into Every single week. Yes, every <laughs> single week. There would not be an amazing nerd show without Stan Lee. I mean, his legacy is, like, unparalleled. So, I mean, for me, I mean, he ranks up there with, you know, artists and creators like Walt Disney, Stephen mm -hmm. King. Um, you know, I, I don't think he has many peers. I mean, you're talking about someone. I mean, yeah, superhero comics already existed, but he really redefined what superhero comics could be you know just by making them relatable by making these characters with like godlike abilities you know flawed um he made them us you know and that i think really i mean just is why all his characters resonate so much now today i mean if you really look at it the last 20 some years of like, you know, mainstream entertainment has been dominated by, you know, works that he created. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's 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 truly an impressive feat. I mean, it's modern mythology. You know, it's I believe it, I mean, in a hundred years people are gonna be looking at like Stanley and like terms of like William Shakespeare, really. If you think about like what he's meant to this society mm -hmm. and everything, and just how many artists he's influenced. Um, and just people in general, everyday people like, you know, jerks like us, you know, <laughs> um, it, it really is just, I mean, a huge loss, a, a huge loss. So, um, you know, it's just, I, I don't think, you know, there's not enough words that can go. No, you know, absolutely you know, not. You could say to really, you know, give him his just due. I mean, even like the word legend, I don't feel like it's like enough, just does enough justice for, you know, a person like Stanley. You know, if there's a tier above legend, <laughs> you know, um, it's just, I mean, man, man, I mean, 
Look at his creation. I mean, the Spider-Man, yes. the Hulk, Fantastic Four, the Avengers. Everything we love, basically. <laughs> <laughs> the basis of everything. Yes, and even like the small tier, like the third tier characters that, you know, are out there that you don't mm. even think about. Like, he created most of them. You know, that are still being used in, like, you know, weekly Marvel comics. Um, it's just... And his influence just even stretches across the aisle to, like, DC and everything, you know? I mean, he's his writing style definitely influenced, you know, DC's characters and, you know, for the better, I believe. So it just, you know, just the way of, you know, once again, making them, you know, more relatable, making them flawed, giving them personality, you know? Um... You know, it's why I grew up such a Marvel fanboy, and I still am, you know, mm. really at the heart. So, um, I don't know. I don't know. It's a huge loss. Yes, it was, it took a while to get past that. Yes. After seeing it pop up. Yes. And he's just been the face of just, you know, comic book fandom mm. for so many years, you know, at the time. Even I for guess... me growing up, he wasn't creating any more comics, so, you know, but he was always that, you know, that. I don't know, that dignitary that, you know, Marvel always, you know, had out there, mm. you know, waving and shaking hands. You know, he was always that spokesperson. So, you know, it just, I don't know, I don't know it was a huge loss. I mean, I, I read every single one of the stand soapboxes, you know, that were in the middle of every comic book, you know, every week. Um, you know, and it was good shit, you know. And that, that was at a time in the, like, you know, mid to late 80s where... You didn't really have, you know, well, you didn't have the internet, first of all, mm. but you didn't have even like magazines like Wizard or anything at that point. So, like, to me, he was the voice of comic books. He really was, not just in the story, but, you know, outside of the story, you know, really selling you on, you know, Marvel and, you know, these stories. And he always had great little, like, you know, pieces of wisdom in there and just, just a great guy. Like, you don't really hear anyone say anything awful about Stan. I know there's been disputes for like other creators and everything saying that he gets too much credit here and there, but I mean, I feel like he doesn't get enough credit, honestly. So, um, just a huge loss. And it's going to be, it's going to be weird. Whatever he, whatever his part in Avengers four is going to be. Oh yeah. Well, I'm sure that's already shot. Yeah, that was already taken care of. He's whatever. probably, is there a few other, right? We've there's got, a few other um, projects that have already been shot and everything. Like he could show up in X-Men. The uh, Spider-Man movie. I'm sure that yeah. that's been in production, you know. So, I mean, they usually bang out his cameos pretty quickly. So, I'm sure he'll pop up here and there. So, um, but yeah, yeah. Rest in peace, Stanley. So, all right. So, getting into the news. Yes. Um, we've got some Star Wars talk. Yes, uh, Rogue One is getting a show. That's right. It's been pretty quiet on the Star Wars front hmm. lately. You know, yeah, besides, like, a bunch of, like, speculation and everything. Yeah, it's been pretty quiet on the Star Wars front. Mm. So, but we've got some decent news this week. Cassian is going to be getting his own show. So, um, I'm excited about this. I, I really feel like his story is probably ripe in that whole, like, you know, I don't know. I don't even know what you would call it. I guess it's a prequel, technically. But that whole, like, Rogue One, like, story and that crew, you could really, like, dive into yes, and get and a good series out of it. I mean, this is another opportunity to continue to dive into the underbelly of the Star Wars universe. Yes. With well, his character. I think we want every one of these shows to be, like, the underbelly of the Star Wars universe. Because that's how I feel about The Mandalorian, too. True, but we, we know distinctly he's working as a spy. Yes, and that's what's going to... Especially that opening scene of Rogue One when we mm. first introduced to him and he's forced to kill the, the other spy, um, which is a really fucking awesome moment. So, 
Uh, I, I really would like to see, you know, him and also other characters that are kind of, you know, in the beginning of, you know, the Rebel Alliance, you know, what that looked like, you know, mm. these kind of characters who are kind of doing the dirty work for the Rebels, um, you know, their story. There's been speculation for um, integration of a lot of the solo elements that they showed in the, like, the young solo films to be added in as well. How does that line up time-wise? Is that, are they basically, are they happening at parallel times? Are they happening at the same time? I believe so. It's still, it's got to be quite a few years before uh, four, because that's what we Because, yeah, New Hope would be at least, right? Like, that's Mm -hmm. a, but it's still young. But I only feel like it's a couple years out. It shouldn't be that, Mm -hmm. right? So, I mean, that, I mean, I could see that working out. I mean, they wouldn't want to, well, I doubt we're going to get another solo movie, but I mean, they don't want to spoil anything too, you know, significant, um, just in case they do, you know, choose to tell that story, you know, and maybe they decide to do it as a show. Well, that's what I want to say. I would, I want that as a show at this point. The solo. Yes. I I mean, it's not, if they're, if they can't get it on the screen, I want to continue that story in some way. Because I want to know what's going on. I know you a lot of want people. Darth Maul. I that's want Darth Maul. Want. <laughs> I want to know what's going on with that and Kiara and everything else. Yeah, that would be fantastic. I'm curious. I'm curious. No, exactly, and that would be. I don't know if they would do it here in this in this show, but mm-hmm. it would definitely you know a solo show after the fact. I think could work. I just feel like it's a couple years out at least. I think they need well, yeah. to kind of like get that. Well, you, bad start taste with, you start with you start with this. You start with Cassian. You start with. Um, the Mandalorian, you start with these shows that they've already, you know, started to put out and, and you get this idea of like, do, do you want more shows like this? Do you yeah. want, I'm sure they're going to be huge. I'm sure they're mm-hmm. going to be successful and you've got all this material at your, you know, disposal. So why not? And, you know, you've got nerds like us who, you know, want to know what the fuck happens after Solo and, you know, how we got, you know, this kind of, you know, transition from the young Solo we saw in his movie to the Han Solo we see in the beginning of New Hope. Nah, I just want to complete the story of Maul at this point. <laughs> <laughs> how did he become a gangster? Well, not how, but like... Wh- I just want to know why place? Han is so angry in A New Hope. Like, how we got that Han? How do we get that? Like, he's just annoyed with everyone. Because mm. really, if you look at Han Solo throughout the trilogy, he's annoyed with everyone. <laughs> so I want to see how we got to that Han Solo. You know? He was just born Harrison Ford. Yeah. <laughs> He's just Harrison Ford. Yes. That's the problem. That's the missing element. <laughs> I guess Harrison Ford is kind of annoyed with everyone. Yes. Every single one of those movies, right? <laughs> so, um, but yeah. No, they For me, they didn't capture that with Solo, but I mean, maybe that was a choice. You know, maybe they wanted a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed They wanted solo. a trilogy, man. So. They <sighs> wanted a trilogy. I don't know. I don't know. Well, that's what happens when you make these films and you immediately think, I'm getting a sequel and I'm getting, instead of making just one What, can you blame them, though? I mean, no, it's, a but... money, it's an instant moneymaker, Solo Solo. It's not like it's not, it's an unproven commodity. You know, they knew right off the bat hmm. that they, they had a winner, but then they somehow fucked it up, you know. Um, I just think franchise... In my opinion. Franchise so. mentality is going to become a problem coming mm-hmm. forward. I mean... Star Wars, as, as in general, uh, is in three parts almost every time. And that's, yes. that's fine. It works. But when you're having the main three, and then you're having 
fucking someone else has a, has their own three going on at the same time, and then you have shows going on. I just feel like give me give me more individual stories is what I'm trying to look for. I guess like Rogue One. Yes, like Rogue exactly. One. Exactly, and that's I mean. So do you think that's when the where they went wrong is they kind of didn't tell his story a complete story for Solo. Where they kind of just gave us the tip of the iceberg, and they expected everyone wanting to come back for more, yeah. and that they really didn't want to come back for more. So they're kind of left hanging now. Mm-hmm. And it just came out at the wrong time for them as well. Yeah, no, I agree with that too. I think it was bad timing. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate, and I don't know how we got on solo, but <laughs> but because Cassian, it just it deals with the same time period that they've been playing around. Cassian too is like just mm-hmm. I don't know a clean slate for them. You know, they can do whatever they want. There's no real, like, expectations. People just want it to be good. And you're right. It, it does really lead itself to telling that underbelly, you know, really kind of, you know, seeing that darker side of the universe. Um, it, I feel like this is a good place, you know, to really start, you know, diving into that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and there's plenty of material there, you know, and they're doing a great job of, like, you know, picking and choosing what they use from what they call now the Legends line. So you could really start throwing characters in yeah. there. And... But I feel like I've seen so much of the birth of the Rebellion era, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to... I'm more curious about what the fuck happened after they won the um, Return of the Jedi. Well, I'm more curious about that time period. And that's what we're going to get with the Mandalorian. Yes. So, you know, and that's, you know, the other big news coming out of the Star Wars world right now. Pedro Pascal is going to be in the lead row of the Mandalorian. So, and that's pretty huge. Did you watch Narcos? Or, um... I did not. I did not watch Narcos at all. Did, you remember him from Game of Thrones? Yes, I do remember Game of Thrones. So. He he has some good range on him, but he pulls off suave and badass at the same time in Narcos perfectly. Do you, for, and we know nothing about Mandalorian <laughs> right now. No, but, but do you feel like you're going to get some of that with this character? Well, I just based off this acting choice, that's what I'm assuming, because... This is definitely not the type of uh, actor I thought they would pull in for, you know, The Mandalorian. I'm assuming just, like, brooding, um, kind of a darker character, just dealing... Like a fat, kind of... basically? Yes, pretty much. Mm-hmm. I was expecting more of that than someone who's probably weaseling his way through... Um, not, I don't know if weaseling is the right word. Yeah, I wouldn't say like, weasel. I mean, I don't know his, you know, work on, like, Narco. He's just very... He's smooth. Okay. He's a very he he knows how to pull off smooth very well. If if you saw him in Game of Thrones, that's pretty much almost the same mm. character. And you know, and maybe like because this is going to be definitely more of like in that Western mm. vein. It seems like and that's a term they keep on throwing around with this. Um, maybe he's more of a like Doc Holliday, you know, kind of character yeah. where he's kind of that suave like gunslinger. I could see that working. I think that'd be cool. Um, yeah, I definitely it would be something different mm-hmm. where it kind of set him apart from the Fets. Um, I I would definitely go for that. Um, and this is definitely a story since it is right. It's between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens where you could really, you know, start seeing exactly mm-hmm. what happened. And you know, I don't want to see everything no for no, but you know, it's no, a good way it to introduce a, it's like thirty little, years man. little That's, story hmm. elements. Like, oh, this is kind of going on right now. Oh, this is happening. You know, and just kind of pique everyone's interest because then you know you're going to get like an in between, you know, trilogy <laughs> eventually. Um, so just I, I don't know. I don't, I'm excited about this. I guess there was um, some set photos leaked, and it had actually uh, Death Troopers. 
involved in it, which is interesting because we did not see them in the you know original trilogies mm-hmm. at all. Um, the only time we've seen them is in Rogue One. So people right away, of course, start speculating. If there's death troopers, then there must be a high-ranking officer of the Empire, you know, around. Because mm-hmm. there was, like, some kind of, like, synopsis, like, scene synopsis leaked also where it's the Mandalorian in some kind of, like, gun battle between, like, death troopers. So, I mean, right away, people are, like, foaming in the mouth, like, excited about, you know, mm-hmm. okay, we're going to get death troopers in this. Um, you know, I, I, I'm really excited for both of these shows. I really am. So, I was... I. I mean, the, the whole Cassian show just, like, caught me off guard whatsoever. I know they're, you know, obviously, you know, working on The Mandalorian, but I had no idea that they were talking, mm-hmm. you know, doing another show, too. And, like, very close together, it seems like. So, because I feel like they're in pre-production with this show also. Um, that That's great. Do you feel like these shows are too similar in nature? No, because I feel like you can really delve into the whole, like, Mandalorian lore and mm-hmm. i don't know exactly where they're going with that and what how the character is you know and it's a different you know time periods you know in this universe so i think it'll be i mean it'll definitely be darker both shows would probably be darker i would assume but i feel like just the narrative and everything and the characters you're following are different enough where it'd be okay and honestly if they were i'd be all right too <laughs> I really hope that they do capture two completely different feels of those two different eras. Well, it's by two different creators. I don't know if they named who was going to be doing the Rogue One show, but I know John Favreau has such a distinct style. So, I mean, I, I feel like it's just going to be different right off the bat than whatever, you know, mm-hmm. another creator does and puts out there. So, um, I don't believe he's connected to the Cassian show. So, I mean, you know, I just want bounty hunters. So, <laughs> <laughs> that's all I want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> give me more bounty hunters. You know, give me that dark CD, you know, Star Wars that I've always been craving. So, and they've always teased in all the other movies, but you never get a full picture of. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. I mean, God, Disney Plus is like a must-have, though, at this point, right? <laughs> you got the Loki show. You got yes. the Scarlet Witch show. You've got the Falcon and uh, Bucky team up. I just, I just don't want any more streaming service. I just had to get um, a new anime streaming service because the one that I was using split off. The like the companies that were. But if push came to shove, Christian, I'm gonna want to watch these. So yes, exactly. Like... Come on, <laughs> <laughs> I'll grin and bear it. So, but yeah, <sighs> no, no. Yeah, they're they're definitely taking all of my money. Yes. You're right. They're so, pulling out my wallet. I agree. All right, Christian. Uh, there was a Pokemon trailer. Yeah, that uh, dropped. Detective Pikachu dropped. All right. <laughs> How excited leave. are you, David? Um, on a scale from one to ten, I'm probably like a negative five. <laughs> Pokemon's not my generation, no. so I know really nothing about it. You know, besides the cute little characters mm. on the playing cards. I will start off. I'm I am not a huge Pokemon fan. Um, I, you're a Yu-Gi-Oh guy, definitely. Okay, oh, I was okay. That's which to me, it's like the same thing. No, trust me, I'm looked down upon as a Yu-Gi-Oh fan compared to. Is that like the like poor man's Pokemon? No, it's like the extremely nerdy card playing type. Isn't really just a gateway to like D and D though? Like, isn't aren't those games really just a cute version of like? 
you know, those kind of games, those role-playing games. Yeah, in a way. Okay. But I mean, I had like a special mech arm thing that you could place your cards in, and I went to school with it. Oh, awesome. Like, I was in it. Oh, I, I need <laughs> pictures. We need pictures for Instagram. I don't know if I have pictures. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if your parents were ashamed. They're like, oh God, what did we do? But Pokemon. <laughs> yes. Um, this is going to be a live action film, and I, I'm... I like the way it looks. Did you hear anything about this beforehand? I feel like this just like dropped out of thin air. There was like word of it in the past, but you know, no one took it seriously. There's been like tons of Japanese properties that have been being turned into live action films of as of lately. So and people knew this was be like in production. Though? Yes. Okay. Like I had no fucking. Clue. Trust me, it was still like down at the bottom of the bar. Like no one expected like anything like this to come out of to it. pop out of mm. here. Okay. And even this or a trailer. To I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna start off. It still looks like it's a B movie, in my eyes. What What do you mean by it? like what What are you defining as a B movie? Like this doesn't This doesn't seem like something I'm like gonna rush out to the theaters and make sure. Oh. I see day okay. One. I see. You know, this is something I could like. I could wait till it's on DVD or okay or more. Okay. Do um, you think it's not going to do well in the box office though? I feel like it has a built-in fandom. I feel like there's going to be a lot of like people going there for nostalgia, and I feel like there's. I mean, they still fucking sell the cards and all the merchandise everywhere. So um, I mean, Pokemon's still very much hot. I mean, after that app came out for Pokemon Go, yeah, that's everyone right. it blew up again for a while, um, and. Uh, that company has done a very good job of making more community events and keeping people interested in that mm-hmm. game. And now Nintendo has finally decided, hey, the next Pokemon game will have integration with that Pokemon app. And you can have all your Pokemon from that app in the actual video game. So it's just kind of Is like, the video game very similar to what the app does? Are the um, games similar? Do they the next of... one is going to be completely similar. Because you, um, so you're using, what's it called? The, is it the... I'm forgetting the name of the console. It's the new console that they have that you can take anywhere. Oh, the Switch? Switch, yes. There we go. What? Wow, Damon. What? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'm the video game expert, Christian. Uh (laughs) But because you have that functionality, uh, it's pretty much in there as well. Okay. That same element. It even has Go in the name, so... Do they still have a Pokemon like cartoon running, or is it just reruns? Do you know? Um, I don't think there's a new one anymore. Okay, I hope not. But I hope that they do run like um, there's live stream channels online that run the show all day. So every day. it's still really popular. it's still popular. And just judging from the merchandise mm. that you see in the stores and everything, I mean, it's obviously there's a huge market for it. So I wouldn't be surprised if the show, you know, the movie doesn't mm. do really. The movie, like, CGI-wise, I thought this looks great. Mm-hmm. Like, for bringing um, Pokemon to life, I think this looks amazing. What do you think about the choice of Ryan Reynolds as Pikachu? I don't know. I'm I'm so, like, Ryan Reynolds is Deadpool at this point, so that's mm-hmm. all I'm seeing. What he sounds rated? very much... Uh, I, I believe it's going to be PG-13. Okay. There's no way they would go in R or anything. Oh, like no, that. no. No, that'd be ridiculous. And is it PG-13 like now, or is it PG? Um, I think... It'll go more the PG thirteen route. Okay, but it seems like it's going to have a little bit of an edge to it. Yeah, like there's probably going to be some raunchy comedy in it. Okay, but beyond that, all right. Um, what? So and then it it's such a weird choice of a story though. So it's like detective, like Pikachu, Pikachu. or something ridiculous like that. So there's like a mystery. Yeah, it's there a was weird introductory <laughs> like you know movie instead of just doing like a tournament arc. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like. 
if this does well in their mind, they'll probably do a tournament type film for it, like an origin story. Yeah, I hope that. I mean, I'm. I hope they stay away from Ash and all of that. All that stuff. Yeah, I was gonna say the show. kid's not supposed to be Ash. No, no, he's just some kid who apparently wanted to be a trainer at some point. Um, didn't work out for him, so he's following in his father's footsteps. It seems. Uh-huh. Um, the story seems very you know cookie cutter. He finds out he can hear Pokemon talk, and uh, while the rest of the world can only hear them saying their names. Mm-hmm. It feels like you've watched that. the trailer about ten or twenty times. <laughs> no, I've watched it two times. <laughs> Show me your Pokemon tattoo. <laughs> I don't have a Pokemon. Show tattoo. me the tattoo, Christian. Don't have one. It's a tramp stamp, isn't it? Oh, yeah. sorry. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry, I can't lift that up. A little, a little uh, Pikachu. Uh-huh. <laughs> It's a Jigglypuff, man. Let's be honest. <laughs> Jigglypuff. <laughs> Is that a real thing? Yes. Oh my gosh. All right. So Pokemon. Not judging. Uh, but you, you're going to go see it the first day? Uh, my girlfriend's interested. Opening night. She yes. loves Pokemon. You're there. You're there. I'll probably be there. Okay. So we'll get a review. When's the uh, when's the actually supposed to be released? Um, May 10th is what they have it on Ooh, right now. summer release. Yes. Okay. That's big time then. I mean, I, It'll be in the shadow of um, of Avengers, but we'll see. Oh, really? Is May, it when May 10th? So that's like two, three weeks two, afterwards? Yeah, I might get buried. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Because, yeah, I'm sure. I think Avengers is the last week of April. So, yeah. Okay. Well, good luck. Good luck, <laughs> Pikachu. So we got some horror news. Uh, a long-lost horror movie of George A. Romero's has just been found, or discovered, if you will. So a movie I've never heard anything about. I've never heard him mention. It's not even on his like IMDb page um, called The Amusement Park. Um, a uh, author named Daniel Krause... Who I don't know who that is either, but I guess um, he went on Twitter and he was saying that he just watched this like sixty minute um, horror movie. I I guess it was produced by a religious group as like a PSA about like ageism um, and society and how like society treats like the elderly. But um, he went on in his tweets talking about how like it's like truly disturbing and mm. like one of like Romero's like scariest like pieces of work, um, and how he's going to try to like get it actually seen now. Um, like I don't know if he's putting together like a GoFundMe or something like that. But it's just interesting that you know a, you know a name like George A. Romero would have something out there that's just not like easy accessible because he's got such a big library. Is there? Proof that he actually has this film. Um, I don't know. I know his wife is also like in a few articles has talked about it mm. also. So it sounds like something that she's been starting. And I don't know if it's like tangled up in like you know, you know, just legal stuff right now, and that's why it can't be something that's just you know produced yeah. and you know put out there. I just hope it's not something someone's just trying to make some so, money out of. Like, we'll see. Idea. I don't. I mean. People, if you just put George A. Romero's name on it, people mm. are going to want to see it, even if it, you know, it's just like a straight-to-DVD thing, you know, Blu-ray thing, um, you know, so I don't know. He would obviously, I don't think he would have the rights, though, so um, I don't know if he's trying to, f- like, you know, do a GoFundMe to 
get the rights to the movie. I would think that, you know, George's widow would automatically get those rights. So hopefully he's doing the right thing and, you know, just trying to get it in her hands, I would hope. So, but I mean, as a horror fan and a fan of George's, I want to see this well, the, movie. Well, the concept sounds very interesting. I'm wondering if it's like almost horror from the eyes of a elderly person who's dealing with people um, being ageist and like, because youth, especially over time, has gotten worse with how they treat elderly. Yes. Well, and then this is shot in, I believe it would be in the... Uh, 70s. Mm-hmm. So, and regulations were definitely much lower. Yes, so it, it should be interesting. And I, here, I'm reading on right now. Um, so this is, Cross is hoping to uh, raise funds via the George A. Romero Foundation to restore and release the movie so fans can see it. So he's working with you know okay. George's actual foundation. So it's not just like a money grab or anything on his part. So that, that's good to hear. So, I mean, if just to get the art out there, then I'm all for it. And, you know, like I said, as a fan, I want to see it, you know. So, I mean, it's pretty cool. You never think, like, you know, a name like George A. Romero would mm-hmm. have something out there, you know, that people haven't seen, you know. So, I guess it was actually made for TV, too, which mm-hmm. is interesting. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's pretty cool. Hopefully, you know, we see it sooner than later. Yeah. So, over the weekend, I saw Overlord. Yeah, speaking of horror. The Nazi zombie movie. Um, so let's get into it. Do you, you did not see the movie. I have not seen it, but I mean, I'm definitely going to see it down the road. Okay. So, all right. So, you know, synopsis quickly. And I'll just read the whole, like, IMDb, like, synopsis. But the plot of this movie is uh, several American soldiers who are dropped behind enemy lines uh, the day before D-Day um, discover a secret Nazi experiment. That's pretty much the movie in a nutshell. So this movie was directed by Julius Avery, and it was produced by J.J. Abrams. So it had a pretty big name behind mm-hmm. it. Um, you know, uh, the screenplay is by Billy Ray and Mark L. Smith. So um, this movie was very, very interesting to me. Like, I mean, just the way they promoted it and everything like that, I felt was like kind of, you know, I don't know. It was really quiet at first. Yes. Like, I just... it. I didn't really hear much about it. It popped up in a few trailers, like, before a couple movies. Yeah, exactly. I would have never heard of it if I had gone to the theaters. But there wasn't a huge, like, campaign online Mm. for it until, like, the week before it was released, really. So, I mean, right off the bat, you know, their advertising budget wasn't huge. Um, It wasn't made for that much money. Um, But that being said, the budget was $38 But that being said, it felt like a big budget movie. It really did. It really felt like, you know, and this is going to sound like a backhanded compliment, but it felt like they, someone in Hollywood got their hands on, like, a B-movie script and decided to, like, take it seriously and try to make the best movie possible mm. around it, like a Roger Corman movie, but, like, actually, like, have Spielberg, like, direct it or something like that. Because this, like, I mean, this, this movie is not, like, tongue-in-cheek. Like, it takes the material very serious. And that material, part of it at least, is Nazi fucking zombies. So, um, and it, it, for the most part, I mean, it's a well-produced movie. I mean, it really is. Um, it's well-directed. It's well-performed. The actors are all great in this. Um, and the story, like, really, you know, holds up. Um you know, you're invested in all the characters, you're invested in what's going on um, in the story. 
and it but at the same time like you step back and if you just like read the script i'm assuming you would really feel like oh wait okay i've seen this movie you know on netflix at like two o'clock in the morning when there was nothing else to like (laughs) watch because it does like Mm. if you explained the plot to someone it's like okay well that sounds like a cheesy b movie it really does like a grindhouse movie almost and i think you know, seeing the trailers and, like, kind of the way they started advertising, I think they actually did, like, a, grind, a Groundhouse, like, trailer, like, uh, mock-up for this at one point during the advertising campaign. I almost was expecting, like, almost, like, what we got from, uh, oh, God, what was it? It was Quentin Tarantino. Um, Planet Terror? Pla- yes, and um, who, Robert Rodriguez yes. is... Um, yeah, Quentin did uh, Death Proof and that's right, Death Proof. did uh, Planetary. And was that called Grindhouse? Yeah, it was called Grindhouse. Grind, okay, alright. Um, which you can't... I had that fucking poster. You can't get Because <laughs> you can't get it like as a double feature though, still, I don't believe. Really? Like, you have to get them separate, which is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Just a money grab. And you don't, like, and two, you don't get all the trailers with it, which was part of the fun of that the whole thing, was the trailers in between mm. everything, like Thanksgiving Day and like all those fucking awesome trailers by like you know established like horror movie like on demand played them all together really yeah Yeah, no i as far as i know unless they did some kind of special release for it um Mm. you know down the line years later you could not like get everything in a full package yeah that's that's definitely the type of film i thought this was going to be especially the way it was advertised i thought totally tongue-in-cheek they know what they're making they know what this is going to be just total action film this is like a war movie that happens to have nazi zombies in it well, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Um, you know, and just kind of going off of, you know, what the story is. Um, it's, you know, the eve of D-Day. You know, this paratrooper squad is, like, set, um, you know, flying over Germany. Um, and they're about to, like, dispatch over this, like, German radio tower. And they're, like, their, like, mission is to take out this tower. But while they're in the air... Um, they're being attacked and shot out. So they're all like, you know, jumping out of this plane and, you know, getting destroyed um, at the same time. I think only five, like, there's like five survivors um, after they land. So, but it is a phenomenal scene. It really is. Like, it's just beautiful. The cinematography is great. I mean, it's intense. Like, you're like on the edge of your seat through this whole scene. Um, you feel like you're in the plane with them. Um, and it's just beautiful, even though, like, you're in the midst of this war and you've got all these planes. Like, there's just, like, almost this, like, you know, um, caravan of, like, planes in the air. And mm-hmm. you're seeing them all get, like, shot at and, like, you know, blown apart and everything. And you can feel the intensity of the characters who are, like, sitting on the plane, you know, terrified for their lives. And it's a great introduction like scene because you get to know each one of the characters at the you know like kind of like who they are just like an outline of each character from like how they're reacting to what the hell's going on um but it's it's shot in a way that i haven't seen it's very stylized um but it works so well where like i want more action from this director after this um and i was kind of i think maybe it almost hurt the film in a way because I was expecting all of the action scenes to be like this opening scene, mm-hmm. um, which it wasn't. And it that's not like a bad thing because it was hard to like live up to such a high bar. But I think it kind of 
I don't know. It almost like you just kept on waiting for something to like, you know, heat up and it never really happened for me. So um, I don't know if that makes any sense, but it, it just it it was it was interesting. Like this movie, like, you know, they land basically, you know, and they're all trying to find each other. Um, they end up like, you know, getting, you know, together again, the five you know troopers who are left. Um, the uh, character Ford who we're introduced to on the plane is, you know, this explosive expert. And he seems to be the one who's now in charge. Um, and he's the one who's supposed to be really taking care of this tower. So even though all the guys are kind of, you know, completely, you know, bewildered and, you know, trying to get their grounding, you know, he's like all about the mission and like really rallying the troops and like, no, we need to keep on moving and everything. Um, even though they just, you know, watched all their friends die. So, um, the entire time, um, this character forward, I'm like, who, who does he remind? Like, I couldn't figure out who he was. I was like, I've seen him in something before. It was killing me. And then at one point I was like, oh, you know what? He reminds me kind of Kurt Russell. And then when I like left the theater, like I went on mm -hmm. the IMDb page and everything like that. Oh, it's Kurt Russell's fucking son. <laughs> <laughs> it's Wyatt Russell. Mm -hmm. Um, which I was like, did. Kurt Russell named his son after Wyatt Earp I, because he was Wyatt Earp in Tombstone. So, uh, but yeah, no, I, I think he totally named his son after Wyatt Earp, which is awesome. I could see but, that. <laughs> but this guy, he, like, all these performances, all these actors in this movie, tons of charisma. You know, great chops, great young cast where you could see these guys, like, moving on to, like, bigger projects, um, you know, which is great. The lead is Boyce. Um, and I'm going to try to pronounce his name. I think it's Jovan Adipo. Um, just really like innocent. Um, he's our eyes. Like he's us through this movie. You know, we're really seeing everything through this character. And he's really like, he's this passive kid who's like putting this impossible situation and forced to like become someone that he's not. So it's a very interesting journey for the character, um, but it's done really well. And like I said, I mean, the kid's got chops. I, I really could see like a huge career for him. Um, but yeah, no, they so they end up meeting up with this um, this because uh, they're in France. Mm. So I believe I said Germany before but they're in France. Okay. So and France is occupied by this mm. time at this time by the Germans. So they end up meeting up with this French lady who's like a scavenger. Her town is actually the town that the uh, tower is in and it's occupied by the Germans. So she's sneaking out. They catch her in the woods and then they force her to lead them back to her town. Um, you realize that, you know, the town is very highly guarded and everything. And, you know, right off the bat, you discover that she has kind of a special, like, I don't know, understanding with the general. Um, you know, uh, she's basically given free passage, even though she's caught by the troops sneaking back in um, because the general is, you know, abusing her basically. Um, and, you know, receiving, like, favors from her, if you will. Um, so, you know, and she's totally just, you know, doing it just to, like, you know, help support her family. Her aunt is sick. Um, she has been taken by the Nazis and experimented on. Apparently this whole, like, town is, like, our guinea pigs for the Nazis. Mm. And we find out that 
uh, underneath the tower is this church that they have like this like mad scientist in a lab doing experiments on people. Um, and they're trying to like, I don't know, almost like develop this serum to make, you know, their soldiers immortal. Um, you know, they've only tested it on the dead so far. So, you know, you've, you get this whole backstory right away and we've seen the trailer, so we know what's going on, but right away, like once you like get into the lab, it feels very much, if I was going to like an editing movie, it almost feels like Day of the Dead where you've got like, you know, this, you know, scientist, this military scientist, you know, doing these experiments, you know, um, you know, but we know his reasons right off the bat. Um, and it's a great discovery. We're following, um, We're following Boyce as he, like, discovers, you know, this lab and he's seeing all these horrors. And it's great practical effects. Um, you know, they very much, you know, worked hard on the effects. Um, and I was surprised with, like, how much they, mm -hmm. like, they really showed and everything. Um, just, you know, fantastic effects, really, like, well done stuff. So, I, I you know, I, the problem I have with this movie is... It doesn't know what movie it is. Like, it's not quite sure, like, whether it's a war movie or if it's a horror movie. There's times where it definitely feels more like a war movie. And you're kind of, like, you know, seeing the war through these young characters' eyes mm. and, you know, how they're individually dealing with everything. Um, you know, which is an enjoyable story, but you almost, it takes you out of it almost. Like, it definitely has a pacing issue in the middle of the movie where we just, we're in this house and, you know, they've got, they've, they've kidnapped the general at one point um, and, you know, they're discussing what's going on and they're going on little missions and everything like that where you almost forget what movie you're watching. That You're watching Watch a movie with fucking Nazi zombies in it. So um, it kind of slows down a little too much. But... That being said, when it does pick up again, it's a fun ride. It really is. Um, it wasn't what I expected, and maybe that's why I kind of left, not disappointed, but just not fully satisfied, if you will. I, I just was expecting more, like, zombie action. Mm -hmm. um, I was expecting it to, I don't know, be more of a grindhouse movie, you know, a very, like, I don't know, high production, you know, well-produced. Or if anything, maybe like on the level of like a Resident Evil or something like that. Not, I want it better than that. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's just what I was presented with when I saw the promotion. It definitely felt like when actually, when I saw the trailers for it, I actually went and looked it up to see if it was based off of video game. Because it felt like a video it's, game. It feels me. like Wolfenstein, like to the letter. Yes, a lot of people are comparing it to that. So, um, the score is fantastic in this movie. Um, I can't remember the, um, the composer's name. Jed Kruzels? Um, tons of cello in this score. Like, and it's like, it is like taking over the movie at parts. Like, where I almost want to say it's overscored. But it's so, it, it, it really helps with just the suspense and the tension a lot in the room and then there's parts where he's definitely like i don't know like mirroring like you know 
grindhouse movies in the past like where there's like big moments but then they're like there's these eloquent like kind of parts where it feels like it'd be in like a steven spielberg like Mm. war movie so it's a very like weird score but it works um and it's memorable like i was like you know that was one thing that i took away with me was the score of this movie uh the cinematography is great in this movie everything looks fantastic especially with the budget that they had you know nowadays you know 30 million dollars is nothing so with what they had to work with, I mean, it was, I mean, everything looked like a big production. Um, it felt like a big movie. Even though there was only a handful of set pieces, it felt big. So um, it's just the pacing issue for me. It really is. It's just that like kind of lull in mm-hmm. between all the action. And shit happens during that. Um, there's a great like body horror scene where one of the uh, soldiers ends up dying at the hands of the general while they have him captive. And um, Boyce tries to bring him back. After being in the lab, he sees what the serum does, and he takes one of the syringes with him to show Ford's character exactly what's going on. Because Ford has him going there to kind of scope out the whole tower and everything like that. He doesn't give a shit about these Nazi zombies. So even when he shows him that, he still doesn't care. He wants to blow up the tower, so he's trying to stay on mission. But uh, he has a syringe with him, and when one of his friends die, he can't handle it, so he plunges it into his friend, and his friend just pops up right away. And there's this whole scene where you're watching his friend go through these stages of, you know, okay, he seems okay, and then he slowly starts to transform. Um, it, it It was a fun scene. And it's actually by, um, God, what's his name? He's one of the characters in S.H.I.E.L.D. Fritz in S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, okay. In Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. He's one of my favorite characters in the movie. Mm. So, like, he he has a totally different accent. Really showed some depth in this uh, in this performance and everything. Where I was like, I was like, why do I know this guy? You know, even though he has no, like, he looks mm. exactly like Fritz does in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's just the accent and, like, the performance. He feels like such a different character that it threw me off. So I don't know if it was just so out of context to see him on the mm. big screen, but it was a really good performance. Um, so that, that was kind of fun to see. But it, it's a really nice scene where you see, like, you know, what this serum does to someone um, and just how they're reacting. And it really was about, like, boys not being able to deal with death. Um, that was kind of a running narrative through the whole film was the fact that boys is out of place here in this war. That he, I think he says, you know, six months ago I was sweeping floors and mowing lawns, and then all of a sudden this letter, you know, arrived in the mail, you know, and now I'm here, you know, I was drafted and now I'm here. And they're talking, I guess, like there's heat between him and a few of the other soldiers because he um, couldn't kill a mouse that was, you know, uh, in their um, very like in uh, boot camp. So he ended up like causing the whole like you know squad to like get burned and have to like go through like hell um running hills and stuff like that because he refused to kill this mouse Mm -hmm. you know they punished the whole squad so um you know so then when his friend dies it makes perfect sense that he wouldn't be able to handle it but slowly after his friend goes insane and turns into this creature he's okay with killing (laughs) because he takes him out pretty quickly but it was a big moment in the film um, and it was really well done. It was it was a nice character arc, you know. And like I said, this this movie is filled with like great like little character arcs, and it's 
it could be like seen as a B movie, but it's done by people who took the material seriously. That's good. It seems like they put a lot of detail into it. It is, you know, and it's just that middle part that just kind of throws you off. I mean, maybe if they had more zombie Nazis in it, I would be raving about it right now. Um, It just, I I think I wanted a bigger climax at the end of the movie. It does end kind of feeling like a video game movie where you have like a final boss and everything, Mm. um, you know, and you have like your two heroes really facing off against him. so I, that kind of, I don't know, dampens the movie a little for me. But all in all, like, I left the theater thinking that was a fun movie. And, it, you know, it really was. It really was. You know, I, I just wish they would have gone a little further with it. Well, David, if you had to give it a star rating out of five. I would say three and a half. Three and a half? Three and a half. Check it out. I mean, Ooh. I want people to support horror movies. Um, so they keep on making them, you know, and this has definitely been a huge year for horror. Um, so I definitely feel like we're going to get a bunch of movies, yes. you know, in the next couple of years, which is great. There was a release date for Child's Play, right? Yes, Child's Play got a release date, which happens to be the same day as Toy Story 4, which was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a lot, a lot of buzz around Child's Play. <laughs> I don't know if I want to see it, but we'll see. You know, I've never I been a huge Chucky guy. <sighs> Um, a lot of people were like, I, I was never a big fan of his movies. That yeah, actually, yeah, no, that, uh, that's how I am. I, like, I, I think I enjoyed the first one and the second one, but then after that, I kind of lost track. Oh man, you weren't a Bride of Chucky fan? And no, no, <laughs> those movies did great though. For mm-hmm. you know, it really revitalized that character. But yeah, I was never a big Chucky guy. Um, but yeah, I mean. Hey, I'll probably end up seeing the damn movie. Mm. I mean, I I've seen lie, them all. So, well, I've seen. I've got shit. I've got Cult of Chucky sitting right there. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only one I haven't seen. I will eventually watch it mm. probably this week. So, um, I enjoyed the one before Cult of Ch- Chucky too. Was it, was it not Seed? Uh, no, not Seed. It's after Seed. Curse of Chucky. <laughs> so, uh, I thought that was a fun movie, and it really kind of like tried to make Chucky scary again, especially mm. the first, like, 45 minutes of that, I thought it worked. It was effective. So, not I was, that I was scared. <laughs> I think they should have He's put still a doll. A, they should have put out a doll for this holiday season, though. That's they like, did. Oh, they did? For There's this? a Chuck, um, Trick or Treat Studios. Um, they did that Michael Myers mask that I have, mm. um, you know, that's, in, like, the centerpiece of the whole basement. They um, did a high-end doll that was, like, $400. Oh, okay. So, but it's legit, man. Like, it looks like it's like a movie prop. It's pretty fucking badass. I won't lie, I thought about it. <laughs> I thought that about pulling would, the trigger fit down on it. That would fit down here. It would, it would. But I don't. $400 is a little steep, for, even for me. Mm. So, um, but yeah, no. Yeah, they, so I mean, we'll be getting plenty of Chucky fucking merchandise, mm. I'm sure. I, I just don't know, you know... They're gonna. They have a lot to. There's a, a, a huge like, child's play following. So, this is a pretty big bold step to you know remake it. Yeah, but it also feels like the right time. Yeah. If they were gonna put out a remake, when, especially after Halloween's being remade, mm-hmm. Ryan talks to do on Friday the Thirteenth. And this has know. been production for a while, so I mean they were taking the. I don't think the original creator is actually attached to it, which is disappointing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, since it's been his baby, like, for so long, I think this is, like, the studio who decided, now we've got this property, we want to make money, 
you know, <laughs> um, which is fair. You know, we can't keep on doing these direct to like, you know, Blu-ray mm. movies, um, you know, fine. But, you know, once again, you've got a lot to live up to and a, a huge fandom to please. So we'll see. We'll see what they pull off. I don't know how we started previewing <laughs> Child's Play. But <laughs> anyway, Overlord, go see it. All go right. Support it. horror movies. Mm. And this is one worthy of your support. Hey, this has been from Small Town Mentality Podcast, and you're listening to Christian and Damon's Amazing Nerd Show with your hosts, Christian and Damon. For nerds, by nerds. Find them anywhere you get podcasts and dramacityproductions.com. Now accessing comics. So we have quite a few events going on in comic books right now, uh, one of them being Spider-Geddon. That is right. Are you reading the blurb or, or am I? I'll read it. It's fine. Uh, Revenge of the Spider-Verse. One superior spider is willing to do whatever it takes to defeat the Inheritors. Will Miles and his team have to stop him before he goes too far? Stand together or fall separately? Isn't that how it goes? I guess. Um, (laughs) I'm enjoying this. I think it's fun. How do you feel about this, Christian? Because you didn't read the original Spider-Verse. No. Um... I mean, it's a lot going on. It, this issue was this issue was fun, mm-hmm. but I, it's not like I'm not feeling hooked to this story right now. Okay, like I could take it or leave it at this point. Yeah, you know, I this is really like Doc Ock's book. Mm. You know, I enjoy that. You know, our Peter Parker is not involved so far in this at all. I know he's got you know shit going on. It's a tie. His book right now, I think it's. Uh, spectacular spectacular is like a direct tie into this Mm -hmm. um, where he's taking on Moreland but otherwise he's not in this book at all so um, I'm enjoying that I feel like that's really you know a breath of fresh air and I I like you know really you know Doc Ock's character getting a chance to shine especially since you know I feel like this is going to lead directly towards you know his solo series now Mm -hmm. you know I know he's got superior Doc Dr. Octopus, but now he's going to be superior Spider-Man again. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's fun, you know, to watch this character, you know, and it's really a redemption arc for him. You know, I mean, he's the cause of the inheritors coming back. Um, you know, him trying to be a hero, but like doing it in his villainous way <laughs> has got him in trouble once again. Um, here, you've got him clashing with Miles, um, just, you know, philosophically, like, you know, he feels like, okay, we've got to, you know, kill these inheritors this time you know finish the job that you know we didn't you know the last time we dealt with them and miles is still kind of clinging to you know basically you know peter parker's morals yes so which is fine and everything but i gotta side with doc ock here yeah. you know <laughs> like there's nothing redeeming of for these inheritor characters and it's not like these are like human beings mm. either these are like you know cosmic entities that you know destroy timelines and kept like so why are we being so sacred with their lives i don't understand that at all um and i didn't get it with the spider verse i don't know, you know if it's like a like a slippery slope feeling for them or something yes like you I do this know. here then get you'll do it again later crying out loud <laughs> but Whatever. Um, but you know, if, if if it was like a situation, if it was like one of Miles' friends gets hurt, he would immediately go on the charge. Exactly. So it's just like, I don't... Well, I mean, the universe it's, is at stake here, mm-hmm. really. I mean, there's big stakes on the line, so I don't I don't get it. So, um, you know, tons of like... Because they, they already killed, 
you know, two or three of them right off the mm-hmm. bat in the first issue. And they're still under the assumption that Gwen. And those dead. were Miles' friends, mm-hmm. you know. So really, you would think. Um, but this was a fun issue. You've got the two teams. Miles' team shows up to, you know, wherever the inheritors are right now. I think it's at the um, whatever labs. Mm. Um, actually, Scarlet Spider's old lab where he um, was doing all the cloning. The inheritors have actually cloned their father's body, but they're having issues right now. Um, and uh, Doc Ock's team, you know, gets the drop and they're aware that, you know, Miles' team is there and, you know, Doc uh, Guess is right that they're going to be in trouble and they're going to get their asses handed mm-hmm. to them. So they jump in, you know, right at the last second um, as Miles' team gets discovered and they bail them out, kind of. Using them more as a distraction tool at that point. Well, yes, yes. You know, he's still, you know, sticking to being Doc mm-hmm. Ock and, you know, there's always these other motives behind everything he's doing. But at the same time, I do feel like he wouldn't let Miles die. Like, he wasn't going to let those characters die. You know, even though he might act like it, you know, just knowing, you know, what I know from, like, how he was through the whole Superior Spider-Man arc, you know, his bark is a lot louder than his actual bite nowadays, Mm. you know. And I think, like, mind-melding with Peter Parker has led to that. But Doc Ock has always had that in him, where he's kind of toe-blind. He has a sense of morality um, to him. So I'm not surprised to see, you know, you know, that side of Doc Ock, you know, even though it's not necessarily right there for you on Mm -hmm. the page, you know, I feel like it is a subtext with him, you know, and it it probably will be throughout this entire book. Um, I think, you know, where I could see him, and I I believe there's only a couple issues left in this. Yeah, I mean, there's a ton of side issues. You You know, and I didn't feel lost or anything no, not yes. reading you know we only read the uh spider force mm-hmm. issue. and even that didn't really seem to play a part in yeah this. they make a brief mention of it and that's it in this so like i didn't feel lost at all because sometimes i in a lot of like big event books mm. especially recently like if you didn't read the tie-in you know especially in the marvel books a couple years ago you felt lost and you were losing a big chunk of the story this is this is kind of what I want out of that book where you kind of pick and choose what you want to read and you know it enhances the story you know it doesn't like hinder the story if you don't read it mm. though so um I don't know it was a fun battle and everything like that it's cool to see all these different spider characters interacting um you know we had the um the spider family now introduced you have the uh the PS4 Spider-Man there yes. who's with Doc Ock's yeah. team, and just because I guess Doc Ock was his mentor, mm. um, you know, uh, Octopus thought that he would be, you know, ripe for the picking to join his team, I guess, and I guess they met up in the, like, you know, in the zero, issue, the zero or issue or something like that. So, um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I thought it was fun. I think it's fun. It's a light read. It's not, you know, some, it's not heavy material, mm. you know, where it's really, you know, you're dealing with, you know, just really like moral dilemmas and you know it's just a fun popcorn kind of you know comic book where you can kind of you know enjoy it and i guess move I, just, on. I would want especially whenever i read anything i want there to be a deeper stake to it almost mm-hmm. and while yes this is all their lives being yeah. taken away, i just feel like i don't know the way it's written just makes me feel like hey everything's gonna be fine in the end of the day well you know like the main characters that you care about are gonna be okay yeah. like you know Doc Ock isn't going anywhere. You know Miles isn't going anywhere. 
you know, that, you know, Spider Gwen, you know, Ghost Spider. Are they calling her Ghost Spider in the books now? I mean, she's still, her title is still Spider Gwen Ghost Spider. They're capitalizing on both names. So stupid. Uh, (laughs) So, uh, but yeah, you know that those characters are saved. But if you're invested at all in the other characters, Mm. you know, and they've had books, um, you know, small, like one-shot books, you know, their lives are on the line, so... But yes, it doesn't feel like it's mm. going to be like world shattering, especially since the, you know, our Peter Parker hasn't been a part of it so far, really, you know, in the main, you know, story. So I agree with you there, but it does, it feel it's very lighthearted. Mm. It really is. I mean, whenever you have Spider-Ham involved, I mean, how serious can you possibly be? Leopardon is there just tearing up the building. Fantastic, though. The whole, like, you know, back and forth between him and Doc Ock mm. when they first, like, you know, go to, like, recruit him. And he's like, just use your fucking sword. <laughs> Get it over with, dumbass. <laughs> that was a great scene. Yes. So, um, but yeah, like, man, I just love Superior Spider-Man. I really do. So I'm really excited for that series mm. to start. So, um, But yeah, uh, moving on, we've got Infinity Wars Part 5. Uh, introducing Loki's Cosmic Avengers. Now, I know that was hard to read. Yes. <laughs> All right, Christian, I'll let you start. Um, this is an interesting path. Um, we were, I think we were a little, like, we didn't know exactly what was going on in the last book. We were trying to piece it together. Your uh, theory was right, though, I believe, right? You said I yeah, she based on Basically, she when she created this new universe, she created new stones. And this, I guess she also created another version of herself. Here's a question, though. So the stone, and I don't know why I'm going down this road right now, that stone that Emma, Wolverine, whatever they're calling... Oh, I have no fucking idea what happened with that. Is that stone one of the stones that she created in this pocket universe? Or is that a stone from the... Well, that's what I was made to believe in that previous issue. But then when they meet up with the little girl and she has all the stones... That's right. It's it's a younger Gamora that they find in the soul world because when and they create, she's got yeah. all the stones so i was really confused and they don't show them with that stone either yeah ever. yeah because i was literally counting stones at the, <laughs> i was like wait a second <laughs> so i'm still a little confused but we're not going to let the details those little no. details slow us down and <laughs> the story uh but we, we kind of are at least <laughs> i am <laughs> We have Loki explaining that the stones in this universe are kind of, they kind of work differently mm-hmm. than with the normal stones. How he knows this, we don't know. Not sure. <laughs> and maybe from the books he read. I, I don't know. Sure, whatever. I'll give it to you. Um, and he gives each member of his team a stone to use and he goes and attacks Gamora. Yes. Oh, but before this, you had the uh, warp characters attacking oh, yes. that beast creature i can't remember its name i don't remember the name that's trying to devour the soul world yes um and adam warlock runs into captain america slash dr strange whatever colonel what are they calling him yes soldier supreme sure okay so and he says i'll save you you know i'll separate you or whatever and like like, no this has been me my whole life yeah i don't know what the fuck you're talking about buddy i'm okay um, so it's uh, it's definitely raising that dilemma and really kind of foreshadowing that these characters, these warped characters, are going to end up sticking around. It makes it, I mean, from the standpoint of like 
these are characters that have had like full lives at this mm. point. So are you just going to kill them? You know, they don't know any differently. You know, it's not like they know consciously that they're two different people, you know, warped into one. So I have a feeling that they're going to do something where, like, this pocket universe is still going to exist and we're somehow going to get Captain America and Stephen Strange separated at the same time. So, I know. It's, I, I, it's, I could live without returning to this box. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because I feel, it, just from what I've read, and I've only read, mm-hmm. like, a couple of the issues of the Warped series, um, they feel very forgettable. And just, like, what I feared, a total, like cash grab like by marvel mm-hmm. which is unfortunate but it just it feels like their their stories um by the writers felt like they were chores for them to write not the, like a passion or like an idea creative idea that they had the weapon hex one is fucking atrocious really it's, it's just like they're melding so much of our stories together and they're trying to make it work and it's but it's for me, ridiculous. it felt like Mad Libs almost. Like, they're just, like, filling in the blanks. You're like, not wrong. We're going to take this, or, like, telephone. Like, we'll take this sentence of, you know, this character's origin, and then we'll, the next sentence will be from this character's origin. Mm. And, you know, it won't really make any sense, but, you know, hey, the, you know, outfit looks cool, and, you know, hey, this this character looks neat, melded with this character. It just, it feels like a cash grab. So. Laura's fucking kill, like, word is, like, actually a spell now that the father is using on people. It's whatever. Yeah. All right. It's, <laughs> it's a mess. Um, that, though, those books, I feel like, aren't really, once again, affecting the main mm-hmm. narrative that's going on in Infinity Wars. No, they're just, like, like I, stories in these people's lives, I guess. Like you, they're like you don't need them to enjoy this main story, which I'm I'm glad they did because if it was something where, you know, this story really, you know, the main story narrative like really hangs on those mm. warp stories, then I would just, I would have dropped it by now. There's no way one the sheer volume of them. Two, I mean, they just feel so poorly written that like I couldn't handle you know dealing with that and having to put myself through those paces so i'm glad that it's just kind of like eh, you know read them if you want mm-hmm. you know otherwise just enjoy this book well with this so, main title how did you feel about the the um, fight between gamora and the now empowered uh low-key avengers you know i found myself i i didn't mind so much the battle um it was i kept on thinking one I didn't care about these characters attacking Gamora. Like, it felt like Mm. there was no real... I don't know. There just wasn't enough between the characters. There's not enough story between those characters to make that battle and that fight feel big to me. Like, it really mattered or dramatic to me. Where I felt like it would... I would have much rather seen the Guardians be in the place of, you know, this Loki's cosmic Avenger team, you know, where it was the guardians who were forced to take out um, Gamora. Mm-hmm. That would have been a more interesting story, you know, because really from the get-go with like Infinity Countdown and everything, this felt very much like a Guardians of the Galaxy story. So for me, it would have made more sense to have the team, you know, have to take down Gamora. Because that's pretty much what the Cosmic Avengers do. They take down Gamora, they strip her of the stones, 
Loki now has two sets of stones. He basically, you know, of course, what we guess would manipulate the team mm. and, you know, take the stones for himself. And now, it's, you know, I, I think my math is right. He has two sets of stones, right? Yes. So, um, I, I don't know where they're going from here. Um, but it just, it didn't really carry the same punch that it could have, you know. And, like, this team... I feel like there's not much chemistry, mm-hmm. you know, between them, like Ant-Man, Emma, Hulk. No, they're just all thrown together. Yes. Yes. So it just really doesn't have that impact, you know, that I really want. Where if it was the Guardians, I think it'd be a big moment. I mean, they alluded to the Guardians becoming another big part in the final issue. Yes. Where you've got, you've got um, what I believe is Drax in the car um, driving with his wife. And they slam into Groot, who I believe is also Star Star Lord. Yes, um, you know I didn't. Says, re- I am Pete, right? I was trying to figure out who the fuck Art is, and I guess that answers. Yes, that it is. For me. Yeah, I believe it's Drax. I don't know who he's with. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's Rocket or whatever. I mean, that would kind of make sense. But that I believe that's definitely you know it it mirrors like Drax's origin. So I feel like that's definitely him. Um, especially the saxophone mm-hmm. is a big telltale. Um, he grabs a sax from the trunk of the car. Um, yeah, so I, it feels like there there's going to be, you know, that's going to be the conclusion. And we're on the last issue now. Next issue is the last issue. So I don't know what the aftermath is going to look like. I don't know if there's going to be, you know, I don't reverberating consequences, you know, due to this whole story arc. Um, it's weird because it feels like the story's not big enough mm-hmm. you know i don't know if you feel that way with no, the no. stones uh this issue felt almost like this was an end mm-hmm. at a certain point i was like oh, okay it's, it's just we're just rushing towards the end and then the next issue will be the um the resolve of everything but when he shows up in the celestial area at the end which I, was a big moment but mm-hmm. then I, I was confused because i was like okay so is this after the uh first avengers arc that we just got this year where the Celestials were, like, falling out of the sky, and we had the Dark Celestials, um, or is this before that, and it's going to be, like, a direct tie-in to that story? I'm I'm hoping that it's before at this point. So it's a tie-in? And maybe he learned something from the Celestials, and that's how, you know, we get the whole, oh, I know why they're coming to Earth. I mean, we all, but he also had that experience in whatever, was it, Marvel, I want Club almost what was it the Legacy the Legacy. There you go, mm-hmm. where he saw what was going on with the well. They have they, they they find the one celestial underground right Ghost Rider yeah. and Starbrand. So I don't know, and he goes right. He goes after that. I don't know. I'm I don't know. Sure. It would maybe fit that. in, but I don't know. Now they did Marvel this week um, release a solicitation uh, for Infinity Watch. And it was Wolverine's uh, gloved hand, clawed hand with the Infinity Gauntlet on it, popping his claws through it. So I don't know, maybe we're actually seeing, maybe we are seeing like events that took place before Legacy, or, you know, yeah, before Legacy. Um, and, you know, what we saw in Legacy is where we're at now, is actually what's supposed to be happening current. So that's why maybe Wolverine's collecting those stones. I don't know if that makes any sense. Because didn't Wolverine leave one of the stones in Infinity Countdown? I 
Yeah, that's how um, Black Widow Black comes upon receives hers. So I don't know how Wolverine's gonna get involved in the whole. Yeah, you know, he hasn't been a part of the story at all. all. No, no, he's doing his own thing with Pressbone or whatever. So <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure. He's too busy with his flame claws right now. I guess. Yes. So <laughs> when I thought he was gonna be involved in the story when he was introduced in what the second or third issue of this, mm-hmm. you know, when Loki goes to the X Mansion. So I, I don't know. It's interesting. Because I really thought he was going to be a big part of the story. So, and they, I mean, obviously, they're still going to tell that story. We'll see. Maybe. I, I literally have no idea how this, this book ends. I really don't. I don't. And I know that the Guardians are going to have... Someone from the Guardians is supposed to die or perish in this. I'm guessing it's going to be Gamora, but maybe I'm wrong. Because now you've got... Um, in the next coming months, they're going to be there's going to be a new Guardian team, mm. um, and it looks huge. Like they have this huge roster. I guess only a couple of those characters are going to be part of it, but they're going to be reshuffling the deck big time with the Guardians. So they're going to get like a little reboot. So I I literally have no idea where they're going. <laughs> no clue. And there's only one issue left. So that's not always a good thing. So it's it's in a weird spot. I don't know where to go either with that. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Maybe they, you know, pull it together and, you know, it's a great closing issue. I doubt it, but... Does Loki learn what his, you know, grand plot is? Well, how is anyone going to find... He's got two sets of stones. You know, it's got... I guess the Celestials will take him from, uh, like, somehow. Yes, but he also makes a point of saying, you know, I guess the stones don't matter here because they don't have any power. Yes, yes. And we also see there's a lot of With, stones there. Because he goes through the beyond. He somehow mm-hmm. gets through what doing what Gamora couldn't do. Yeah. Um, okay. I guess only time will tell. <laughs> and um, the librarian, not to not to dive so much into the story, but the librarian also is like, I can't believe he actually did it. So maybe she knows that he was supposed to do something like that. Because uh, there's those pages that are missing. Oh, uh, okay. From his story. I don't know... I'm just speculating. You think that at maybe this point. she like she knew that he was going to breach this barrier. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. So, well, he did. <laughs> I don't know if it made an ent- for an entertaining read, but he did. <laughs> uh, well, something easier to read was X twenty three number six. Super easy. <laughs> uh, Laura and Gabby go undercover as teacher and student to uncover a deadly secret. Uh, will Gabby be teacher's pets? Will Jonathan? What? Who's Jonathan? Jonathan? I don't know. <laughs> I'm like I'm trying to remember anything from this story that alludes to a Jonathan. Well, Jonathan, there's the the girl who's kind of like right that ends up being the villain. Yeah, but her name Jonathan. Jonathan. I have no idea. I don't know. Maybe I cut something off when I uh, cut and paste this little blur here. <laughs> But I still don't know who up, Jonathan... Man. I don't know who Jonathan would be. No, unless it's like a pet and we just don't... I don't, no idea. Sure, whatever. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, well, this was a light issue. Yes. This is definitely a one-off issue. Um, feels like it's just kind of in between like two different story mm. arcs. So, um, I enjoyed it for the most part, though. I thought it was fun. Like, I I liked seeing, you know, Laura and Gabby, like, undercover and everything. It made me want to see, like, Gabby in her own, like, you know, book, like, in high school. 
like, Mm. you know, just kind of dealing with, like, you know, your everyday kind of, like, high school drama, but, you know, being this, like, killer assassin at the same time, Um, you know. I I, would read that book. Yeah, no, I would, too. I I would, too, you know. She really had good chemistry, you know, with the other characters and just the way to, like, you know, the way seeing her, like, react to, like, just the high school scene and her just being, like, such a fish out of water. Um, was fun. Was mm. fun. So um, it, it definitely could work. Um, not saying that they're going to go that route at all. Mm-hmm. But I would read it, you know. But I often forget that she's even in the age range to be in high school. You know, I was actually thinking she was younger. Mm. Too. She plays off a lot younger, like middle school or like late elementary. Yeah. So maybe maybe she's just like 14 or something like mm. that, a freshman. So, because um, even the the kids in her class felt young too. So basically one of the kids in the, uh, the science team at the school are doing like genetic, like, I don't know, experiments and they're somehow getting their hands on this like black market material um, that has to do with cloning. And you basically find out that one of them is like a budding supervillain um, who's built this insane robots. So, for the science fair, I guess. I guess. <laughs> I don't even know how you judge a thing like yes. that. Yes. So, it's a very, like, I don't know, quick battle, and it's pretty much done, but it's fun. It's lighthearted. Mm. Um, it's a very, very quick read, though. So, um, I, we'll see. I don't know if we're going to get more stories like this in this series. I'm hoping it's just a gap. Like yeah, I, just... I'm guessing it is. It's kind of like a bumper in between, mm. like, arcs. So, um, it was, it was a good read. It was a good read. Uh, and then on the DC side, we're still drowning in it. It's Justice League number 11. That's right. Drowned Earth Part 2. The Justice League is scattered across seven seas, pursued by the Ocean Lords and their army of alien mercenaries, and constantly at risk of turning into fish monsters. You know, just a day at the beach. Their only hope lies in a crippled Aquaman who believes the road to victory lies in unleashing equally vengeful gods on the Earth's oceans. Meanwhile, Batman guards the totality in the sunken Hall of Justice where no one can attack him. Or can they? Dun dun dun. I thought this was an upgrade over the Justice League Aquaman drowns like one shot. Um... Yeah, it wasn't as convoluted and you know busy as the last story. Like the last story that the that book at least had like I felt like five different stories going on at once. True. Um, where this was just really you know two different stories. You're following you know Superman and Flash, and then you're following Aquaman and Wonder Woman. Dude, can I say a stupid gripe? Okay. Um, of I'm, course, that's what this whole show's about. <laughs> I'm getting tired of like books where it's like. The finish of the sentence is on the next page, and it alludes to something that's going on on the next page, like almost every single. Oh, as a transition, as a transition, Snyder does every that a lot. Fucking page does that. Yes. In this book. And I was just, I was like, okay, I get it. You know? I did notice that Snyder, but he's been doing that. <laughs> Have you noticed that? that yes. He's been doing that a lot. Heavily. Is, yes, it's a little too much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I felt like this was, like, Snyder kind of reining it back in and just, I don't know. It was more streamlined, at least. I wasn't as confused as I was with, like... Yes, I got what both teams were doing. 
But at the same time, I was just, I, I, I didn't care. And it still had, like, that heavy amount of, like, I don't know, Snyder cheese that mm-hmm. he's been really, like, doling out the last year or so with his, all of his, like, you know, Justice League books and metal and everything. Like, the fact that, you know, Bruce is sitting there with, you know, a piece of Starro that they're calling Jaro because it's in a jar um and jaro's referring to bruce's dad which is kind of unnerving um, <laughs> and then superman has a fucking eye patch on and like both of us were discussing this i don't even remember superman getting his eye hurt <laughs> exactly but it just felt like because they're going with this whole pirate motif that you know they needed to put a fucking eye patch on superman so it, and then it literally has the superman logo on the eye which patch which means he's had this prepared yes Yes. For the moment that he gets hurt. I don't, yeah, I, I don't know what the fuck is going on with that. But, you know, that's really like Snyder and the fucking cheese and kind mm-hmm. of like, I don't know, tongue in cheek, like campiness that he's been doing. This has plenty of it. Um, I, I haven't really enjoyed that aspect of Snyder, you know, recently. I didn't feel like it was, you know, uh, part of his storytelling in the whole, like his whole Batman arc. So I don't know why he feels the need to do that here, but it's happening um, for better or worse. So um, it just, it makes, I don't know, it just really, for me, it like dumbs down the story. You know, I'm just afraid. It feels very Saturday morning cartoon yeah, to me. I'm just afraid that the that. next issue is just going to be Heroes Win. Just like what we got with the last. Well, you know, I'm excited. I'm excited to me in the way we end the book because you have... You know, you have Aquaman, you know, Aquaman and Wonder Woman are searching for Poseidon. Um, He wants to unleash these, you know, Poseidon on these gods because he feels like that's the way, the only way to battle these space, you know, water. He's also hoping that Poseidon will like give him his powers Powers back back and train him on how to use his powers. Basically, yes, to do everything for him. And Wonder Woman's kind of like, kind of talking him like, you know, saying, no, you, you can do this. You have to be the one to rally the mm. troops and everything. He gets there, and you could tell like he's in doubt right now with everything that's going on. He gets there, and Poseidon, just out of fucking nowhere, you know, stabs him through, like impales him on a trident. Um, once he like basically like, pleads with Poseidon, um, you know, and I know I know nothing about Poseidon's character or everything. I just know that he's a god. Um, so I didn't see that coming. So I thought that was kind of neat. Um, I don't know how it concludes here. Um, I don't know if it's really Arthur really having to come to terms with him, like trusting himself Mm -hmm. and realizing that he's on his own here. Um, You know, Wonder Woman, you know, kind of leading that way. It definitely feels like this is another chapter in their budding, like, you know, relationship um, where I could see them at the end of this, like being like a full on, you know, thing. So I don't know how I feel about that either. But the most interesting part was really for me was that this whole event is really just a huge distraction. It's kind of what we talked about last episode was this is really just locks trying to distract the Justice League so they're not protecting the totality, uh, which I thought was badass. <laughs> so they all show up at the Hall of Justice and Batman is like, you know, alone protecting the totality and he's like at the point where he's having to like evacuate the justice league um hall because it's about to go under right Mm. so um it's just him and jaro you know facing the whole legion of doom 
So I, I, I'm guessing that's what we're going to get next issue, which I'm fine with. You know, I want to see how Batman gets out of this one. You know, you've got Lex, you've got Black Manta, you've got, you know, Cheeto, you got... He's got some mechanized suit probably somewhere. Well, I mean, he's literally in what I'm sure is going to turn into some kind of fucking tank or something. Mm. You know, he is Batman, so... <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, it should be it should be a cool... Did like, you did you notice that the, the sand location seemed a little familiar to the Aquaman trailer? Ooh, Where no, Mira and them go? It looked very much the same type of like architecture on the outside. Oh, really? And I was like, this looks like directly oh, from I'm that sure. trailer. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure they told them that probably came from like you know corporate. Mm. Like, make sure you throw this in there. Um, this is definitely Mira's story too. Yes. You know, she feels more heroic than Arthur does. I didn't understand the beginning, and I don't know much about I guess Mira's history. I don't either. with Atlantis, so I don't. I'm not an Aquaman guy. I don't know <laughs> if you knew this, but, you just know. Her and her father staring at Atlantis and saying how it's a problem to the sea. I just didn't under. Because I thought they that. were, the yeah. like, the, the royal family of Atlantis. Of Atlantis. So, yeah, I was confused by that. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You're going to have to ask an Aquaman fan. <laughs> so, uh, but, yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot of cool ideas here. I just don't like the execution. Mm. You know, I like the idea of Black Manta having, you know, Arthur's powers. I think that's awesome. I love the idea of Batman having to stand alone against the Legion of Doom. Um, but, yeah, space pirate ocean gods? I eh. I feel like we could have done this story mm. without them. Yes. They feel very... It could have just been that creature showing up, too. Yes. It didn't have to be... I would have been fine with that. Cell-altering space sea gods yes and there's like 10 of them and yes. i don't care about any of them I, luckily we didn't get a fucking separate book for each one of them oh, you know yeah that would have been that's exactly what snyder would have done with metal mm-hmm. so i mean that's that is what, what he did, he did with metal yes. so yeah thank fucking god so but yeah um better read though overall compared to you know the you know tie-in this issue. is all still skippable to me I, but I see, I would disagree just because I want to know what's going on with the whole totality thing. So I feel like yes. you need to read it just for that. But I feel like... I but yes, yeah, everything's around that. <laughs> yeah. But I, I do want to see Batman versus, you know, the Legion. Yeah, that's probably going to be this awesome. This crippled but... Batman in mm. this body cast suit thing that he's got. You know he's got tricks underneath his, it's... you know, sleeve and his utility. I'm imagining it's going to be somewhere near, um, what's it called, the Dark Knight, uh, when he's fighting Superman, what, I forgot. Oh, in the suit and the battle yes. armor, yeah, something similar. I'm sure. Yeah, he's got <laughs> he's got some tricks up up his sleeve. Exactly. So yes, absolutely, it's Batman for crying out loud. So. He needs to just fucking heal already. Yeah, <laughs> it's only been like three issues. Uh, it feels like I'm watching Nick Jackson have problems with his back. Ah, uh, well, <laughs> good segue. We're on to wrestling. Yes, we're on to wrestling. Hey guys, if you enjoy pro wrestling and even more so enjoy fantasy booking then head on over to my podcast, Omega Luke Pro Wrestling, after you've listened to The Amazing Nerd Show, obviously, and check out one of our episodes. So far, we've fantasy booked the tag team division, Cat Hawkins losing streak, Marty Scale joining WWE, and even done an episode with what culture YouTube man and professional wrestler himself, Simon Miller, on how we would book CM Punk returning to WWE. On Fridays, I also have bonus episodes reviewing the week's NXT and the Wrestle of the Week segment. 
So check out Omega Luke's Preston podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or however else you listen to your audio. And if you have any other questions or suggestions, I'm on Twitter at Omega underscore Luke. Back to Christian and Damon. Now accessing wrestling. All right, so it is a big week for WWE. Uh, Survivor Series is happening this weekend. Man, it's been a hell of a 48 hours for the WWE. Yeah. So, <laughs> I don't even know where to start. Uh, so, you basically, we're not going to recap Raw and SmackDown. We'll just kind of talk about it mm. throughout, you know, the preview for Survivor Series. But just right off the bat, we had a huge title change, you know, uh, Daniel Bryan defeated AJ Styles, turned heel in the process. Um, big moment, you know. I, I'm always excited to see a title change on TV. It doesn't happen much, mm. you know, especially nowadays. Well, the um, last time it did turn, it was on TV. What do you mean? Versus Jinder Mahal. That was a TV match. Oh, was it? Yes. Okay. It okay. wasn't on the card. Still, that uh, was over a year ago. So I know. It doesn't I'm just saying, very... it's just funny that yeah, it AJ did. would lose it on television. Yeah. That was, oh, that was on TV? Yeah. That wasn't a a pay-per-view match? Nope. Okay. I'm going to trust you. It I'm was gonna, on TV. I'm going to look it up. I after promise. After the episode. But, yeah. Because that was that going into Survivor Series? Was that into Survivor Series? Yeah. It was going into Survivor Series. Because it was going to be originally Jinder versus Brock. And then they had it, the title change happen, I believe you're right, on TV, and then became AJ versus, because it's been a year, like almost exactly. So yeah, <laughs> so yeah, nice little bookend there mm. uh, with, the, with you know, AJ's title run. Uh, but yeah, I, it's always exciting to see a title change happen and take place on TV. It was a huge surprise. The, the match wasn't announced at all. Paul Heyman came out and instigated basically, you know, this pull apart mm. between AJ and Daniel Bryan and then Shane like set up the match. Um, Daniel Bryan came out pissed off just because people were saying his name, which was weird. But I mean, that was foreshadowing for things to come because during this match, Daniel Bryan turned heel, um, which was just, just an awesome surprise. And it, you know, the, it's something that's been missing from wrestling for like, I feel like the last five years is surprises, you know, mm. keep the audience guessing and make your TV, you know, can't miss. If you have surprises and can't have moments like this that people don't see coming, that you don't advertise for months, you know, um, it makes your product like, oh, I have to watch Raw, exactly. I have to watch SmackDown, because I don't know what the fuck's going to happen. That's what worked so well in the late mm. 90s, you know, um, which got me back into wrestling at the time. It, it was the fact that, you know, every Monday night was just can't miss TV because you didn't know what the fuck was going to happen. You didn't know how Raw was going to end. I mean, you know how WCW was going to end because it was just always the NWO running out and just, you know, causing havoc. But, I mean, Raw was unpredictable. It was fun. You know, you had title chains like this happen, you know, all the time. Um, it, it really, you know, I mean, it some would argue lessened the belts mm. at the time, but it just made it unpredictable. Um, and that's what really I feel like is missing right now in wrestling. So this was fun because of that, though, because no one, you know, would have guessed, you know, especially the go home show that a title change like this yeah. would happen. And a heel turn like this would happen with one of your biggest stars. I mean, you could argue he's probably one of the most over, you know, male, you know, superstars that they have right now on the roster. Mm. So it's a big gamble for them. I guess Dan O'Brien has been actually really, you know, trying to 
uh, turned heel for a while now <laughs> and really trying to rally the troops on his side to get this heel turn done. And he finally convinced McMahon, you know, to pull the trigger on it, which, you know, I think is pretty fucking awesome. So, um, and the fans reacted well to it, you know, they were booing him, which is what she wants. So he was vicious, man. And that's, that's the aspect of his character that I love is like when he goes into that other mode, um, you see it once in a while when he's a face, but Mm. now I'm hoping that you get more of that, you know, with him as a heel. Cause afterwards he's just stomping the shit out of AJ. He doesn't even enjoy it. Like he doesn't, he, he stops maybe for a couple seconds to like celebrate but then he just attacks AJ so it really like left no doubt that he's a heel um you know which is interesting going into this match with Brock because Brock is very much kind of a heel right now being booked you know even though some could argue he's an in-betweener but I don't know I don't know who you're gonna cheer I feel like AJ is gonna obviously interfere in this match somehow or get involved in this match just with how Smackdown ended um but we'll see We'll see. It's, it's it's a dream match, though, that people have been wanting for years. And I know Daniel Bryan has been lobbying pretty fucking hard for. So, um... Is it a shorter match or is it a longer match, do you think? What do you mean? With Daniel Bryan opposed to AJ Styles being in the match? No, um, with Daniel Bryan just going up against Lesnar in general. Because we usually get maybe a 10-15 to 15 minute match with Lesnar against the regular talent when it's not you know someone like Goldberg. Um... Well, the match with AJ, which was a was a good match. Um, I believe it was twenty minutes, so I could see them going around that like time length, you know, around twenty minutes. I I think Brian would be fighting tooth and nail if it was anything shorter than that. I know he wants time to tell a story in the ring. Mm. So um, I don't know. I guess I'm just trying to figure how they solidify. Um, at this point, Brian as this heel. Even though I understand that crowd, you know... That crowd, I think... I don't know if they even have to do that with this match just because of just... You know, there's not really any kind of story between those two characters right now. And it can really just be a match for match sake because it is, you know, just a one-shot match. Mm -hmm. Um, They could reestablish him as a heel, like... On SmackDown, you know, on Tuesday, you know, the, the coming week, you know, where, I mean, I'm sure he'll still be a heel in the match, but I don't think they really need to, I don't know, establish him even more so as a heel. Because I don't think he's going to get the right kind of heat against Lesnar. Um, you know, I think the crowd will be more prone to cheer him. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was definitely getting booed against AJ, which was nice to see. Because you never know if you're going to get that, like, Becky Lynch, you know, Charlotte. Kind of, okay. <laughs> yeah. He where the no matter what Becky did, you know she was getting cheered. So, um, but speaking of which, yes, we have another match that kind of changed. Yes, yes, huge change to the card. Um, the match I was most excited for, uh, Becky Lynch versus Ronda Rousey, um, is now off because Becky has been injured at the hands of Nia Jax. Literally, literally. Um, unfortunate chain of events. Becky is doing a fantastic um, angle on Raw where she's attacked Rhonda um, in the back and then she comes out challenging the entire women's roster of Raw by herself at first, mm-hmm. it seems. You know, walking down the ramp just looking like a fucking amazing badass. Um, and then all of a sudden, all smacked down, just totally fucking 
engulfs and surrounds the ring and they all attack and pounds and it's just a melee and the crowd was into it. It was a huge fucking awesome moment. Unfortunately, it's dampened by the fact that Nia Jax broke Becky's face in the middle of this mm, melee. With a straight punch. I mean, awesome visuals. Mm-hmm. Like, Becky just, I mean, she kept her wits about her. And it really just sells her more as a bigger badass um, to me. Just because, you know, she's got the blood flowing. Like, it's going down her fucking arm. Like, it's everywhere. Because at first I was like, where is she hurt from? I couldn't figure it out. Because mm-hmm. it looks like it's coming from the side of her face. It looks like it's coming from her eye, um, her nose. And it's all over his, her arm. So she was, like, busted wide open. Um, but if it, it was the nose, obviously. And the nose bleeds a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it, it was... It was it was brutal, but awesome at the same time, you know, and it just made a great visual and really sold Becky as a badass. But unfortunately, she's concussed. Yes. Um, you know, the show closes with, you know, the SmackDown women being victorious and, you know, handing Raw, you know, their asses and Becky, you know, walking up the stairs in the crowd and just posing and just looking like just this fucking unstoppable, like, monster um, that, you know, the crowd is just... It was a real moment for her as a character. Um, you know, it was stone cold ass yes. once again, which a lot of people have been comparing her to. So it just felt perfect and it felt like, you know, one of the moments of the year, you know, really, you know, something that, you know, people will always remember and go back to, um, you know, for right now, what I would really like, I would term as like the rise of Becky Lynch because it really feels that way right now. Um, she's becoming a mainstream star, you know, in the WWE. She's becoming a legit superstar, um, you know, where she's, for me, she's the most over you know, wrestler mm-hmm. in the company right now. And I think they're realizing that just even how they booked this angle, you know, having, you know, Becky, you know, have um, Rhonda in the disarmor right off the bat. And it's not like, oh, you know, well, she's, she, you know, needed help or, you know, all the SmackDown women jump Rhonda. No, that's how you open up the scene. Yes. And, you know, it's legit. Um, pretty fucking badass. But nothing, no, no less, I mean, you have SmackDown now, um, you know, come on and they announce and it was speculated throughout the day that she was going to have to drop out of the match. Mm-hmm. It sucks. Charlotte takes her place. You know, uh, she comes out and she does the right thing, I think, for her character where, you know, she talks about how she's, you know, fought all day long, you know, to be reinstated in the match. And she knocked on everyone's door demanding that she was in the match and she wants to fight but the officials aren't letting her fight. So I'm glad that they had her come out there. Um, and then she's standing there with the whole, you know, women's roster and she has to pick her replacement. Um, she goes down the line. Um, you know, Asuka got a huge, like, pop, you know, when she came face to face with her. And I actually thought for a second, okay, they're going to name Asuka because that would make sense to me. Um, but then, you know, she goes back to Charlotte. Um, I was fine with that. You know, since she knows, you know, what Charlotte's capable and everything. And, you know, she wants, you know, she's brand loyal and she wants Rhonda to lose. So, and, you know, what better person to, like, do it than Charlotte, you know, her, you know, biggest, you know, rival the last, you know, couple months. I just had a problem with the hug at the end. Yes. 
you know, and it felt like, okay, are we now, you know, moving it? Because she really has been booked as a heel, regardless of the fan sharing. Well, her whole, like, persona being, like, the man is a commentary on um, Ric Flair. So it's just like... Yes, yes. And her constantly, even when she was, you know the champ, you know, at that point. And, you know, she had the best of Charlotte. She kept on attacking her mm. left and right. Um, it, it, so it was kind of, I don't know, a moment where I was like, all right, you know, like, I don't, I'm not ready for her to be like a baby face just yet. I mm. still want to see more, you know, heal out of her. And I feel like it's worked for her so far. I just hope they're not really, you know, squashing that. I hope she keeps the same attitude mm-hmm. at least. You know, I don't want her, her coming out and like doing run-ins and saving people. You know, I still want her, you know, using heel-like tactics um, to win matches. So we'll see if we get that. Um, but I, now I feel like she's like a, a solidified as like an in-betweener, which is a little unfortunate for me. So um, that being said, I'm excited to see Charlotte versus Ronda. Mm. You know, this was the big rumored WrestleMania match. Um, and I think it might be a blessing in disguise. I feel like now you can kind of put off Becky versus Ronda, which I felt like they're pulling the trigger way too quickly on. Just, you know, and I, I would have never said that a couple months ago, with, but seeing how over Ronda is, or not Ronda, well, Ronda too, <laughs> but Becky, you know, is, I mean, it makes perfect sense for those two two to face off against each other and they've had great back and forths and they've had great like banter and everything and there's legitimate like tension between those two like characters storyline wise so i mean and i feel like it's getting over with the crowd so i was really excited to see that match but mm-hmm. i was like this feels like it should be a wrestlemania match so now i feel like this gives it that possibility that they can build it now for the next couple months and make this happen for WrestleMania. And I think it, it really, if they do it right, it could main event WrestleMania. Really. Because if you look at it, like once again, I will say, Becky is literally the most overt wrestler in the company right now. You know, and Ronda's a close, you know, second or third mm-hmm. at least. So there's no reason why that shouldn't be the main event of your your. I mean, they're part. they're hanging in the ring and they're doing it so well outside of it as well. Mm-hmm. It's just it's a storyline that you can't help but be drawn to. It yes, way. yes, they're using social media so well. I mean, they're God, they're utilizing everything you know at their disposal. So I'm excited for that. Um, for me, if I was gonna book it, I would go that Stone Cold route. You know, I, I was talking to you about this off mic, but. Mm-hmm. Stone Cold, when he was on his rise um, and he was white hot, um, kind of, you know, towing the line as an in-betweener, he had a match against Owen Hart and he ended up breaking his neck in the match. Um, But it was a match where he was booked to win the IC title. They ended up doing the roll-up finish, even though he couldn't feel his fucking arms. Um, He leaves the match, you know, walking somehow. Um, completely getting over as a badass because they still, I mean, there's no way not to notice that he was injured in this match. So it made the character even more over. And then they did this beautiful, you know, thing. And it probably was completely, you know, medically unethical. (laughs) The fact they're allowing Mm. Stone Cold to go out there 
every week and even like compete, like not compete, but interact with anyone physically, but they were, he was doing these run-ins left and right. And it put a bigger chip on his shoulder and get the crowd even more behind him and made him almost sympathetic because he had like dropped the belt um, to, uh, to, I think, oh, he gave it to The Rock actually. Um, dropped the belt to The Rock and then he was doing these awesome run-ins where he was almost like this vigilante where he was just stunning everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see something where they end up having to strip the title from Becky and then like putting that chip on her shoulder and then just getting her even more over with the crowd where she's doing something similar, where she's doing run-ins or something like that. Built her up even bigger. Wanted to explode her, everyone? Yes, that'd be awesome. And then all of a sudden she's like, you know, she's one of the entrants of the Royal Rumble, you know, and she ends up winning, you know, and then, you know, she can challenge Ronda then, um, you know, since... The winner of the mm-hmm. Royal Rumble can challenge, you know, either a Raw champion or a SmackDown cha- champion. So it would make sense, um, and I feel like it would be huge. And you've built it up now to like this fever pitch, and it would really get over and be worthy of the main event of WrestleMania. So that's the way I would book it. <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> They'll fuck it up. Somehow. That being said, we also have the um, so we have the Survivor Series traditional matches. Yes, we do. The, uh, big titles so far, other than Seth Rollins versus uh, Shinsuke, but um, we have an open slot now with Charlotte being out for the women's Survivor Series match. Who do you think will fill that uh, void? Um, my God, I feel like it's got to be like a big surprise. Mm-hmm. Do you think they call someone up from, like, the NXT roster? They... The fact that they're keeping it a mystery mm. tells me it's going to be a surprise. I'm trying to think if you were to pull do someone you pull up. A, oh, or do you go, like... Because we know we've heard all the rumors with Lita and... Um, oh, with Lita and Trish? Trish. So do you I pull would one of them? Yeah, I, I would, too. That. You know, um, or do you go, like... Baszler. So that would be interesting if they brought up Shayna, but at the same time... Just to give her a little taste, to tease her, mm-hmm. you know, on the main roster. Um, the easy answer seems to be Nikki Cross. So she just came up and, and she she's just not debuted. doing anything. She just debuted. Mm-hmm. So that would make sense. Um, and that would be a nice moment for her. Um, and would really get the character over, mm-hmm. especially if she has a strong showing in the match. So I'd be all for that. I just have a bad feeling it's going to be like a Bella or something. <laughs> <laughs> it could so easily be Brie, but then you know, we have more concussions on our hands. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope there's repercussions, though, for Nia Jax. Because it really, like, seeing, watching it, you know, because while that happened, I had no idea what happened, like mm-hmm. how she got busted open, That's where two the in injury. One, in like one month. Where the injury hit? Who, who I, I I don't know if it's I think it's Zelina. Um, oh, she, she elbowed her, her. Oh, she threw her up. Was there an elbow too spot where Naya was that a couple months ago? I might have been. She was throwing punches and she elbowed someone like dead center in the face. So which is just that sloppiness. This to me was malicious. This was an actual attack True. to me. Like why? Like there's no way she threw that punch, knowing like not knowing that she was going to hurt Becky. 
Like that could have easily been a forearm. Or that was a right else. cross, mm. and I felt like either Becky might have been a little snug with her and something, or something like that. And maybe you know, and this is just me speculating. Maybe Nia got pissed off and just swung at her because right before that, you know, Becky was pounding on the back of Nia's head, and she literally just turns around and fucking decks her right in the face. And she was not trying to pull that punch. Mm-hmm. I don't care what anyone says. Well, she goes right back to Naomi like it's nothing. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And Becky, yeah, she hits hard, you know, on the ground. So, in WWE, like, they made a point to, like, show up, which I don't know. They, it, to me, it feels like they're just trying to get Nia over mm-hmm. more with it, which is unfortunate. Because I feel like if she's, you know, dangerous in the ring, there needs to be consequences. And I, I can't imagine them being ha- happy because that was definitely one of their bigger matches on Survivor Series. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if she's in the doghouse now. But that being said, we've got the Survivor Series. Card. At least pay to not to. I know I keep going back. But at least pay a fucking fine or something. Yeah, they won't let. That will be under the table though. Mm. If that happens. I don't know if they. She'll be reprimanded pretty harshly if they feel like she went after her. You know. It was legit. Okay, it, it reminded me of um, I don't know if you ever saw it during one the uh, one night stands when uh JBL attacked Blue Meanie like no. legitimately attacked Blue Meanie in the ring. There's a big like pull apart between like the ECW guys and the WWE mm-hmm. guys, and fucking JBL. I guess he thought supposedly felt like Blue Meanie was like trying to take liberties with him, but then it, it, there was some beef between like. I don't know, one of the writers that's JBL's friends and, like, Blue Meanie and, like, some of the ECW guys or something like that where JBL just starts fucking punching Blue Meanie in the face. Like, his face exploded. It was it was ugly, like, how much he was bleeding. So it felt very much like that, you know? Because when she, like, with the amount of blood that was coming out of her head, it was like, oh, my God, someone really fucking tagged her. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. It was an ugly scene. It really was. But it could end up getting Becky even more over. (laughs) So, like I said, blessing in disguise. Um, but yeah, definitely consequences for Naya, I would hope. All right, all right. Are we going to talk Survivor Series? Yes. (laughs) We'll we'll get back to Survivor Series. Should we just go down the card? Sure. Um, what do you think about Buddy Murphy versus Mustafa Ali? I think I'm not going to watch it. Because <laughs> it's going to be on the pre-show. Probably. And I never watch the pre-show. They'll probably have an amazing match. And I will say I'm interested in 205 Live and then I'll never watch it. Uh-huh. So I won't even say that because I won't <laughs> even watch it. <laughs> You're better watching the pre-shows than I am. I, True. I always miss them. And they don't show them on the... Um, the um, the whatever it's called the downloads afterwards like so when you click on it after Mm -hmm. the pay-per-view like because i end up watching like maybe an hour or two later um you know bedtime in my house you know i have a four-year-old so uh but yeah they never include the actual like pre-show matches so and i just don't care enough to hunt them down you know unless i hear just great Mm -hmm. things about it i'm not gonna bother um, speaking of the other pre-show match, which I feel is unfortunate, it's the uh, Team Survivor Series elimination match. So you have basically all the tag teams <laughs> going against each other. Uh, Raw's team is Bobby Roode and Chad Gable, the Ascension, uh, Lucha House Party, and the B team. Oh, and also the Revival. 
Um, and all of those guys got destroyed by Braun Strowman this week, which I found horrendous. That's actually how they opened the show. Oh, yeah. You had this battle royal going on, which I was like, oh, cool, you're actually starting with a fucking match. Um, and two minutes later, Braun's music hit. Not even two minutes, maybe a minute later. And then, of course, Braun decimates everyone, which is just, come on. Like, I understand you want him to be a monster, but that's just, that's some cartoon bullshit. Maybe Nicholas was just there in spirit, you know? Oh, God. That was his team partner. It was just too much, man. You just (laughs) buried your whole tag division. Yeah. Like, it just made no sense. And then, and then of course, it just leads into a fucking 10-minute talking segment. So you still get raw opening mm. up with fucking <laughs> people standing in the ring with microphones. So, um, but yeah. So a, the SmackDown team, the Usos, New Day, the Good Brothers, Sanity, and the Colognes. Where the fuck have the Colognes been? <laughs> Eating catering, that's what they Yeah, fucking... I, they're not matadors anymore. They're matadors for a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, I like that Sanity's getting some TV. They got some TV time this week, you know, for a few minutes. Like, oh, I guess last week they came out with Mickey, but mm. that's pretty much it. I don't know if they're on main event right now or what's going on. Um, but yeah, I was glad to see them get some camera time, I guess. Um, I don't care about this match at all. <laughs> I, I feel like well, they don't be... either. They're just throwing it on the pre-show. So then, why even do it? I guess everyone needs to get a payday, maybe, because it's one of the bigger, you know, pay-per-views. All right. Well, anyway, you uh, moving on to what I hope is going to be on the main card. Uh, you've got the tag team championship match, and this is once again most of these, uh, all these matches are brand versus brand. So you've got AOP um, representing Raw uh, versus the Bar. I feel like this should be a fun match. I'm yes. excited about this. I think that would be a great opener if they wanted to just do that, but I feel like um, the next match will be the opener. But mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Um, this should be stiff as all hell. Mm-hmm. I want to see these guys beat the shit out of each other. <laughs> um, you know, Cesaro will do all the work, probably, and the rest of them will just pound on each other for, you know, five, ten minutes, <laughs> which I'm fine with. So, um, I don't know. I don't know. I, who do you want to see go over here? Um... I feel like AOP needs it more at this point. I agree with that. I think AOP needs to go over here to establish them. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had to win. They, you know, just beat Seth by himself to win these belts. So I feel like you need to have them beat a legit like tag team um, to really like be crowned as the champs. Are they still coming out with um, what's his name oh, yeah. from Two of I, I just haven't seen them in a while. So yeah, no, he's he's still with them, um, and uh, the bar still has Big Show with them. Yes. So there should be some uh, fun interaction sure there, you know, between uh, Maverick and uh, a Big Show. I'm sure you're going to get a nice little spot there yeah. where, you know, Big Show throws him around. <laughs> so um, next match, I feel like uh, could actually steal the show if they give him enough time. Seth Rollins versus Nakamura. I mean, this should be a dream match for some people. But... I'm sure they'll give him three minutes. <laughs> I have a bad feeling this is just going to be like those two, you know, walking circles around each other until like Dean shows up yes. and interferes in this match. Because I feel like that's going to be the conclusion. I can almost see this going the way um, Jeff Hardy versus Nakamura was, where it was just 
Nakamura just low blows him right away, and then Orton showed up out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And Nakamura getting completely overshadowed yes. by Dean Ambrose. Um, just like how he was overshadowed by Randy Orton during that entire feud. Really strange booking, um, just really showing how mm-hmm. much they really value Nakamura. His contract's almost up, too, so we'll see what decision he makes. Go back. Yes, Just please. go back. That would be amazing. I would love that, but I don't know. I don't know. His his whole family's here now, so we'll see what happens. Um, but, yeah, man, I hope they give him time. I really do, because this, I mean, this has a potential to really steal the show. Mm-hmm. They give him 15, 20 minutes, even. They could really steal the show with this match. I mean, they love Rollins, and Rollins mm-hmm. always performs amazing matches on pay per view. This especially. match means something to Rollins mm-hmm. too, even though you know, promo wise, he said he wasn't even thinking about it. This match means something to him professionally because I know this has been like you know a dream match for him. He's talked about it in interviews, so you know, hopefully, they both put their best foot forward. So I can't imagine that Nakamura is not frustrated right now, though. I feel bad for him. I really do. He's barely getting TV time mm-hmm. at this point. All right, moving on. Oh, are we are we predicting this? Well, I mean, who do you think is going to win? Well, okay, for, let's go back. Who do you have for uh, the tag team Survivor Series A-O-B. elimination match? No, the elimination match. Oh, the elimination match. Raw or SmackDown? I have SmackDown because they just have better teams. Me too. SmackDown. Uh, we're both saying AOP. Yeah. Okay, AOP in the tag team uh, match. I would like to see these titles actually on the line. That'd be fun. Um, it would just cause havoc for storyline-wise, <laughs> but um, at least one or two of them being, you know, on I the mean, line. They're so fun. even, though, at this point. I guess. I don't know. It'd be kind of cool to see someone run, and then, like, you know, you have the challenge in the next, you know, pay-per-view or something like that. Yes. So, But anyway, that's just me. Otherwise, they're just exhibition matches. So, for me, that just kind of dampens the whole thing. Um, but... Whatever. Uh, Seth Rollins versus Nakamura. Um, I unfortunately have Rollins going over. I don't see any reason why Nakamura would win. I think Nakamura is going to win, but it's just going to be due to like Dean's interference. So, and it's, it's, it's not going to be a moment for Nakamura. Mm-hmm. If it's a match, match with no interference, it'll be Rollins. Oh, absolutely, I agree. But I, I feel like there's no because they want to continue that Ambrose storyline. Mm-hmm. So. Um, he had a nice little promo um, on Raw where he was like by a burning garbage can for some reason. Yes. And he threw his uh, shield vest in there and everything. And he, he talked about how he's better without the shield. The shield made him weak. It was more a, uh, what's it called? Uh, I don't know the so, word I'm trying. It's supposed to explain like, you know, Seth Rollins' his whole burn it down aspect. He has a burning trash can to symbolize. Yeah, but I think it was also him shedding you know, the shield, too, because yeah. he throws his, you know... I don't understand about metaphors, man. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I just, that's, that's what I got from it. Yes, yes. That's exactly what it was. Okay. It was just kind of funny that he had a burning trash can next to him by his car, his mm. rental car. Um, but, yeah. So, but, yeah. It was a, it was a good promo. I, I did enjoy that. I, I'm enjoying, you know, heel Dean Ambrose, and this is kind of the heel version of Ambrose that we've wanted all along. You know, at least I have. Mm-hmm. So not the, you know, potted plant carrying Dean Ambrose that we got for a while on SmackDown. I still enjoy that. Oh, it's fucking horrible. <laughs> what was the name of that fucking Hell in a Cell match that they had with all the weapons? It was Ambrose Asylum match. Oh, God, that was the shit. That was horrible, man. 
And it had fucking Jericho in it, and still just I horrible. still enjoyed it at the time. Oh, it felt so WCW with all that <laughs> shit fucking hanging around the ring. Oh, it was ridiculous. Was it? Was the potted plant actually hanging too? Yes, it had a name too. I don't remember what it was. Oh god, um, the shit. Yes, uh, women's Survivor Series match. Who you got winning? Uh, was it Team Raw or Team SmackDown? Oh, we didn't even talk about it. So Natalia yeah. and Mickey James, Nia Jax, Tamina, and Ruby Riot. Um, Natalia's the only face on that team, so I feel like they're gonna just let her get pinned right off the bat. I feel like that's gonna end up being like she's gonna keep on going for a tag, and they're just gonna refuse to tag into her. Um, uh, they're going against Carmella, Naomi, Asuka, Sonia Deville, and to be announced. And we were kind of. Once again, speculating that it was probably going to be Nikki Cross, um, or maybe, hopefully, an NXT call up. Yeah, um, this would be a great moment to have Oscar just randomly turn heel mm, on Naomi. I would like that. I would like that. I don't think that's happening. No, but I would like that. Um, yeah, man. I just you know the the whole angle that happened on Monday really showed like how downgraded Oscar is because mm. I didn't even realize she was in the ring. You know, where I feel like a year ago they would have really focused oh, on yeah. her. Her presence would have been known. Yes, and it would have been a big deal that she was there, you know, and she would have had big moments like just decimating you know, all of Raw, but it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. The fans are still behind her, like I said. Mm-hmm. You know, in the ring when they're, you know, Becky was doing her thing, you know, she got a huge pop, you know, when she um, was face-to-face with her. I mean, so. we remember... Yes. I mean, Jesus, it was just WrestleMania. Yes. <laughs> so, it was just six, seven months ago. Oh, Charlotte. Whatever. I just I can't get over that. Uh, all right. So, I think the women are going to, on the SmackDown brand will win. I think it'll be it'll yes, be good guys. Especially since they've got the, you know, the surprise mm-hmm. entrant. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, men's Survivor Series match. Uh, you got Braun, you got Dolph, you got Drew, Finn, and Bobby Lashley. Um, and they're going against Miz, Shane McMahon, Samoa Joe, Rey Mysterio, and Jeff Hardy. Not a bad team. Um, I mean, you do have the best in the world on it. So, uh, <laughs> so we've got... Yes, Samoa s- Joe is on the team. Yes. You've got a situation where Braun is begrudgingly agreeing to be on this team um, because he is guaranteed a title shot against Brock if they win. Um, and he also gets his hands on Baron Corbin. Raw is winning this match. Just because of that. So, um, Just because of the added stipulation. Because SmackDown doesn't have anything. I'm wondering if they turn Shane heel here. It seems like the right time. Mm-hmm. It's a big pay-per-view that's... I mean, it's right before Mania season. So maybe they go ahead, because I feel like he's kind of, you know, after what was what the hell with the Crown Jewel, you know, those events and everything. And I don't know. I feel like I feel like this is a good time mm-hmm. to turn the appeal, and it would make sense. So, and I think it would liven up SmackDown to have, like, that heel presence there and get him on screen, especially since it is going to be, you know, road to WrestleMania time. It's going to be Rumble season soon. So I feel like, that would definitely help getting, you know, eyes mm. on the product again. So, because people still love Shane, you know. Um, I don't need to see him wrestle anymore, but nope. people enjoy <laughs> him. All right. 
next up we've got the women's champion match. Well, it's not really the women's champion match anymore because we have the epic exhibition between yes. Ronda Rousey and Charlotte Flair. That's right. Did I sell it for you? <laughs> I'm excited for this match. Like I said, I mean this is this is something we were speculating was going to end up main eventing WrestleMania yes. this year. So it's still going to be a fantastic match. I just. I'm just so disappointed. I know. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's it's unfortunate. Um, does Becky interfere? Do they let Becky somehow get involved? That'd be great. They're not. It's not gonna happen. I think she makes an appearance. I don't know if she interferes. Just to, you know. I wouldn't be surprised if fucking Nia interferes. She's a heel right now, and she's gonna be up next for the title. Hmm. Yeah. They could use this to get Nia Heat. That would make sense. Uh, so that being said, I'm going to actually say Charlotte's going to go over here. Um, it's going to be due to interference by Nia and Tamina, but I feel like she goes over here. So and maybe maybe it's a distraction by Becky. You know, because you want her on the car just because, you mm-hmm. know, she's your most over superstar right now. So... Um, yeah, I'm gonna say Charlotte goes over here. So they're gonna nice... leave. They're gonna leave some meat on the bone so they can revisit this. Though it'd be a nice way to have her still integrate that whole everyone's tough until the man shows up because then you know Ronda's distracted. Um, Charlotte immediately mm-hmm. is able to get on the attack. Be Ronda's first loss, I believe. Right? Yeah, I think she may she might have lost a match by DQ, but this would be her first legit loss if that happens. So, which is fine. Which is fine. It's not title, mm. so. Um, but yeah. But it also doesn't matter. Like Charlotte could take the loss. It doesn't. It doesn't hurt. Charlotte oh, it's not gonna hurt Charlotte. No, she's untouchable at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to see her take the loss though. I feel like this is gonna kind of end in a schmaz, and you're gonna, you know, both mm-hmm. of them are gonna walk away. You know, being the better for the match. So, um, and it'll be more of a teaser for things to come between the two later on down the line. So, all right, well. Last but not least, and I'm wondering if Ronda and Charlotte will end up being actually the main event of the match, of the uh, pay-per-view. I could see that happening. Um, But just for this card and for this show, uh, heavyweight champion Brock Lesnar versus newly crowned uh, WWE champion Daniel Bryan. This is a hard one for me to call. Because I don't want it to be a show where there's Literally a run-in in every fucking match. But that feels like what's going to happen here, exactly. right? I feel like AJ is going to be involved in this. You know, either somehow he gets himself added to this match somehow, or he comes out and interferes in this match and costs Daniel Bryan the, the you know, the match completely. I just But there's I, no reason for him to be added to the match because there's no title on the line. There's it's no, wrestling. You know, Shane McMahon out of the because he's pissed off at Daniel Bryan ends up adding him to the match. It's wrestling, Christian. <laughs> There's no reason for any of this. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so yes, logically I agree with you, but WWE doesn't care about logic. They'll get what they want. So and it's I, I just it's it's hard for me to picture AJ Styles not on this card at all. So mm-hmm. I feel like we're gonna have an AJ Styles sighting. It's whether or not it's gonna actually be during this match or if it's just going to be backstage cutting your promo. In a hypothetical world, what does that mean if AJ Styles were to beat both champions? 
then, well, I feel like one, he's probably, I mean, he's already due a title shot, a rematch. But I don't know. That's interesting. I'm not sure. You know, maybe they tease something between Brock and AJ. I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know how they originally were going to book Brock and AJ, if they were even going to book Brock and AJ, or if they knew all along that they're going to put Daniel Bryan in the spot. So, because at the time I was speculating that, you know, maybe they did the Daniel Bryan heel turn and, you know, the title change to kind of, you know, I don't know, sweeten the pay-per-view now that Becky's off of it. But, you know, hearing all the reports, Daniel Bryan's been lobbying, you know, for a while now to turn heel. So, I mean, maybe it's both. Maybe that they decided to pull the trigger now to... Unless this is Bryan's punishment for going out from Crown Jewel and it's just a squash. But it's he's still the WWE champion, so it's not really punishment regardless, and he gets to be a heel. So, you know, I don't see that as a punishment for him. I know what you're saying, but I don't think so. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a squash, but it's kind of a lame punishment. Oh, you're going to main event the pay-per-view and you're the champion still at the end of it. So <laughs> I'm just you saying, know. I don't know. You know, if they were going to punish him, they'd just have him lose against AJ on, you know, SmackDown and he wouldn't even be on this fucking show. So, um, but yeah, no, I get that. There is a world where Brock just squashes him. Um, but yeah, I hope that's not the case here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's 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 Survivor Series, man. That's Survivor Series. I'm look I'm looking forward to it though. I'm not gonna lie. You know, I, I feel like there's entertaining matches here mm. and there's lots of potential here. It's just whether or not, you know, they give the wrestlers enough time, as always. So, you know, but definitely, you know, I mean Ronda versus Charlotte, I mean that's WrestleMania caliber right there to me. Lesnar versus Daniel Bryan is a fucking dream match. Mm. So and same with Makabora versus Rollins. So you got a lot of fucking legit matches. Yeah, you I just some... hope that they give them all adequate time. Exactly. Whatever. That's what I'm saying. I mean, you got a lot of bullshit in between, but you've got, you know, some nice... I mean, you're basically seeing the best of both rosters here. You know, I'm sure there's going to be some good moments. So we'll see. I enjoyed last Survivor Series. I do remember that. You know, I don't remember exactly what happened in it, but I know I walked away from that pay-per-view happy. So um, they usually pull out their big guns with, you know, the big four pay-per-views. So I would be really disappointed if this was any different. All right, that's going to do it for this show. That's right. But before we go, we have some shout-outs, and we have some breaking news. Our network, the DCP crew, um, Drama City Productions, that is, uh, just announced we've got three new uh, shows debuting. Uh, so we just keep getting bigger and better for that's you right make sure you're going to the website and checking them all out uh, first up we've got uh, Sack'em Up Sunday podcast uh, the show that talks about anything everything and nothing brought to you by two people with little to no knowledge of what they're saying hey <laughs> sounds like an entertaining listen Check them out, but you know what? If they're on our network, I know they're going to be badasses. Exactly. So uh, definitely give them a listen. Uh, next up, we've got Night and Day Podcast. When two opposing forces come together, people say they are like night and day. Um, 
great podcast. Um, excited to have them aboard. And then we've got the Raw Opinion Podcast. Three guys that got live mics giving half-truth and raw opinions about sports, comedy, MMA, and what your moms don't want you to hear. Uh, and now part of the DCP Network. So we are excited to have all three shows aboard. Um, welcome. Yes, welcome, welcome, welcome. And check them out. So uh, we also wanted to shout out uh, Collateral Cinema Podcast. Um, they're a new movie podcast focusing on good movies, bad movies, and everything in between. Give them a listen. And then last but not least, we want to shout out our friend Man Brain Podcast. Uh, the only Man Brain Podcast, The Realist Men, the most extremist, satirical comedy. Don't let them win. Um, great podcast. Fun listen, um, and definitely uh, follow them on Instagram. They're always posting interesting things. So. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got to bring us right back to our network because you got to check out all the shows on the network. That's right. I mean, right. DCP is where the home is at. You got to be a place to be. Place to be, man. <laughs> DramaCityProductions.com. Definitely go over there right now. Um, or finish your listening to this episode, then go right over. Because mm-hmm. uh, we also have to tell you about us. We are on every platform that you can possibly imagine. We are there. You want to listen to us? Pick up the phone. Get your favorite app. Fucking look us up. Type us into that Google machine exactly. of yours and find us because we will definitely pop up. So yes. at this point. Or you can just simply go to the Drama City Productions website. That's right. That's I can't, right. I can't say it enough. Yes, yes. Check us out and check out all those awesome shows that we just talked about. So, and then some. But, uh, you know, definitely go ahead and give us a listen. Make sure if you're enjoying what you're hearing, you give us a subscribe, a rate, and review. That's the lifeblood for podcasts like us, indie yes. podcasts that are just, you know, kind of doing our thing. Yes, so, your words fill my veins. That's right, damn it. Um, and then go ahead, uh, if you're enjoying the music you're hearing right now, uh, check out them Guilty Aces, uh, local Chicago band. Uh, if you enjoy rockabilly music, this is the group for you. Uh, they have an EP right now on iTunes you can download. They also have a couple new videos on uh, YouTube. So give them a listen. Check out a show if you're in the Chicagoland area. Exactly. And if you enjoy all things electro and our intro, definitely check out Greg Rebner. He's on um, SoundCloud. And he's on Instagram. He's on Instagram. Yes. That's right. He actually just went ahead and dropped a new track uh, this past week. So go ahead and give him a listen. Yes. Um, we are also on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Those are our social media homes. We post different things on each one of them. Uh, we definitely love making memes. Uh, mm-hmm. Damon's on a tear right now with memes. That's definitely right. check out our Instagram. <laughs> uh, Beyond that, uh, um, follow, please. <laughs> I'm I'm finally heading back to Twitch and to streaming this weekend. Oh, I, um, yay! Fallout seventy six came out just today, okay. so this weekend I'll be able to get. I'm surprised you're even here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I got screwed over with the beta time. You know they had this weird timing schedule for it, and it also um, they decided to do Xbox release before the PlayStation. So it's just uh, it was just bad timing for me. I was. Fair enough, man. Fair enough. Couldn't do anything. Twitch is still there. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm going to be jumping back into streaming this weekend, and then following weeks, we're going to keep pounding it through. We're going to go back to Red Dead. We're going to keep playing. Yeah. All right. All so right. definitely keep following us on all those social media sites we just talked about, and Twitch, and you'll get to get all the content 
that is the amazing nerd show damn straight so that's gonna do it for this week yes my name is christian and my name's damon and that's the amazing nerd show who was a strange guy, but I won't discuss that now. But he said to me, hey, Stan, I think we're on a roll. We have a couple of good-selling heroes. Come up with another one for me. So I wanted to keep my job. So I went home and started thinking. And I saw a fly crawling on the wall. And I thought, wow, wouldn't it be cool to have a hero who could stick to the wall like it? No, I'm not telling the truth. In those days, they probably didn't have the word cool. I probably said, wouldn't it be groovy? But anyway, <laughs> to have a character crawl on the wall. So I thought, sort of like an insect. And then I thought, okay, now I need a name. To me, names are very important. Like the Hulk. I mean, you had to love a guy called the Hulk. Anyway, I thought, what do I call the guy? Insect man? Nah, that didn't sound dramatic. Mosquito man? Nah. And I went down the list and I got to Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Wow, I got my name. Then I decided to make him different. I'd make him a teenager. And finally, I thought to make them, the readers empathize with him. I give him a lot of personal problems. He'd be poor, he'd live with an aunt who's always sick and stuff like that. So I went to my publisher the next day and I was so excited. I told him my idea. And he said, Stan, that is the worst idea ever heard. He said, first of all, people hate spiders, so you can't call a hero Spider-Man. You want him to be a, a, a teenage hero? Don't you understand teenagers can only be sidekicks? And then he said, and you want him to have personal problems? Don't you know anything about superheroes? They don't have personal problems. They're superheroes. So I walked out of the office with my tail between my legs, but I couldn't get the idea out of my mind. So we were gonna kill a magazine. I think it was called Amazing Fantasy. Now when you kill a magazine, nobody cares what you put in the last issue, because you're killing it. So I thought I'd get Spider-Man out of my system. I put him in that magazine, and Steve did go through him. I, I gave it to Jack Kirby first, but he made him look too heroic. I said, I wanted to be just an ordinary, clutchy kind of teenager. Gave it to Steve Ditko, who drew clutchy characters. And we featured him on the cover, and I forgot about it. About a month later, after the sales figures came in, my publisher came running into my office, and he said, hey, Stan, do you remember that Spider-Man character of yours that we both liked so much? <laughs> I swear. He said, let's make a series of it. And that's how Spider-Man was born. This has been a Drama City production.